We're judging the world and saying what sucks. We're reviews versus the world. All right, and welcome everybody to a very special edition of our podcast. I mean, yeah, you did just hear from us last week, but Dag Nabbit, E3 happened, and we got to right. talk about it. Tonight on a very special Blossom, <laughs> E3. But, you know, before we get into... I thought E3 was the second sequel to E.T. <laughs> that was a groaner. Yeah, it was. It was bad. But I can't help but think that every single time I hear it. <laughs> well, thanks. Now that's going to happen to me, too. <laughs> so, we only have three of us for this podcast. We are a little bit shorthanded... I guess if people didn't want to talk about games, some people were very upset about things. It sounds like a lot like of they them couldn't make it out. And it really sounds like a lot of them just wanted to spend time with their, you know, spouses. <laughs> hey, mine's across the room. She is, and yours don't exist. Harsh. Not true. cool. Not cool, Brady. <laughs> uh. So of course we have Stephen, Nate, and me. I'm Brady. And before we get started and going into all of the huge gaming news, let's talk a little bit about what we've been into. So, Stephen, what have you been into this month? Oh my gosh. I, I don't know what it is, but all I have done for the last, like, month is lie around and watch movies. I think it's because the heat has sapped me of all of my energy to get up and do anything. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 90 degrees outside and 89 degrees in my house. Because the air conditioning doesn't work. So, yeah, I've been watching a lot of TV, a lot of movies, reading a lot of comics. Uh, so I'm going to narrow this down, I think, to those items that are going to be of the most interest to our audience. Um, I've been reading... Which would be Gilmore Girls, because yes. that's what our audience <laughs> voted for. Yes, this is true. <laughs> so I've been, Next, uh, we're going to do One Tree Hill. What the crap? <laughs> so I've been reading a lot of Spider-Man comics. Surprising Ooh. no one... Spider-Man is really good. Like, I picked up... Marvel's got these epic collections that they're releasing of some of their most popular characters. It right. makes no sense, because they're releasing them in anachronic order. So the first one that was released for Spider-Man collects volumes 1 through 17, or issues 1 through 17 of, Ama of Amazing Spider-Man, the very first Spider-Man comic. Mm -hmm. The second volume that was released is volume 15 in the same collection. So they're, like, skipping... A long ways. I have no idea what's governing this. But anyway, I've read the first Spider-Man stories now. And it's just funny, because the first couple issues, you're reading it, and you're like, is he going to turn into a supervillain? Because Spider-Man's running around saying things like, someday I'll show them, I'll show them all. And then he laughs. And like he, he's acting like a supervillain. It, it's really kind of interesting, because the early Spider-Man stories, it's not clear he's going to turn into a hero. Of course, huh. Of course, by the time that the Fantastic Four and Daredevil show up, he's he's kind of on the hero track, and he fights Doctor Doom. Mm -hmm. You don't, you can't be a villain and fight Doctor Doom because his name is Doctor Doom, and it's pretty clear which side of the fence he's on. <laughs> yeah. Explain it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the other thing is, I've been watching all all of the summer movies. This has been a good year for movies. Mm -hmm. I saw Jurassic World this week, and Jurassic World is my least favorite of the summer movies that I've seen so far. Which just goes to show how good Inside Out is. Oh, right? man. Oh, man. I, saw, I saw Inside Out last night, and there are so many things about it that I should hate. 
but don't, because within the context of the story, it works really well. I'm watching it with a couple of, of my guy friends. I look over at one of them, and he looks at me, and we both have tears running down our faces. We walk out of the theater afterwards, and we're like, what was it, bing bong? Something was bing bong. <laughs> Guys, I cried over a character named Bing Bong. <laughs> that is horrible. But it worked. Uh, anyway. More adventures with Riley for me. The only thing that would have made this movie better is if someone had died historic on the Fury Road. Because, yeah, it is a toss-up. I don't know whether Inside Out or Mad Max Fury Road is my favorite movie of the summer. Oh, but man. But they were both fantastic movies. Mad Max. Mad Max. I, I, to see it. Oh, it is quite the film. <laughs> That's what I hear. Witness me. Like, that is the most meme-tastic movie that has come out in a long, long time. After you see the movie, go to Amazon, and there is a product uh, for, like, this... Uh, the, the silver paint. The silver. It's, it's a <laughs> culinary spray that you can spray your food silver. Watch the movie, go read the reviews, and your life will be completely... Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. The War Boys. I, uh, I, I love how deep the War Boys culture apparently is. Like, oh. You can tell that George Miller really thought this out. Like, That's what I've heard. I am pretty squeamish when it comes to violence. And so watching an R-rated action flick where people's faces get ripped off. Like, this movie made me uncomfortable. But I might Person's buy face got ripped off. I'm just generalizing so it would <laughs> be less of a spoiler. Um, anyway, like... I want to buy the art of this movie because the art design, the visual design was so strong. So strong. It was it was so good looking and I was not expecting that. You know, the, the thing I love about this movie is you can pause it at any time and that could be a desktop background. Ah, it was a good looking movie. Also, um, Charlie Theron. We Are Not Things. Um, this movie, like, the first reason it caught my interest or the it caught my interest when I started learning that, like, men's rights activists hated it. <laughs> and I watched it, and I'm like, yeah, I can totally see why. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I thought Charlize Theron made that movie. Oh, definitely. Uh, Furiosa is the character find of 2015. It was it was fantastic. I, I, I've never raved this much about an action movie before. And Nicholas Holt, as well, I thought, just really shy. That's what I've heard. I gotta see the stupid movie. Who's he? He's He's the war boy who ends up... Helping them, he plays. Uh -huh. He plays Beast, and he was in Warm Body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah uh, that was. Uh, I, I, he wasn't my favorite character, but he did a great job, and I loved the, just like this mindless fanaticism of the War Boys. It just made it so infectious to watch. It was delightful. A delightful. What a what well, a lovely well, well, day. I mean, hey, they named their tumors, and their tumors become their friends. Uh, that's a horrible world to live in. Anyway, so there's one with twerking. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this has been a good summer for movies. If you haven't seen uh, Fury Road, I think Fury Road is going to be just a phenomenal sort of cult movie that people are always going to go back to. Um, but more traditionally, thank heavens for Inside Out. Finally, finally, we have a good Pixar movie again. I Inside Out. Oh, Elliot saw Inside Out. Yeah. Elliot, what did you think of Inside Out? It's good. It's good. There you go. Voice of authority right there. Boom. Done. Drop the mic. Not literally. <laughs> I, uh, oh, 
That was a special cameo from Nate's son, Elliot. Right. So, so I, anything else? Any other special call-out? Oh, my gosh. I have so many. Most of the things that I've been getting into over the past couple of weeks, I'm actually planning on writing full reviews on for Reviews vs. Friday. We've already seen Seconds. Um, if you haven't seen that on Facebook, go check that out, because Seconds was great, the follow-up uh, graphic novel from the creator of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Um, I've got a review coming up for the new IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Dude, series. cool. Oh, and there was one thing I needed to mention, and I forgot because John isn't here. I finally checked out Nimona. Ah. Oh my gosh, Nimona is really good. John <laughs> was right. It was. It is an excellent, excellent webcomic. I was turned off by the art. I think the art is fine for the occasional illustration. I didn't know that I wanted to read a full uh, a full long-running webcomic series on this with this art style. Nope, it's great. And it gets better really quickly as the series goes along. Awesome. And it was I found the print collection at Barnes and Noble for twelve bucks. Totally nice. worth it. Very, very, very good. Money very well spent, we'll say it that way. Awesome. I, I thought we were cool. spend more time on inside out. So no 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 it sounds like somebody's gonna be doing a review. <laughs> I called it, so I'm going to be doing a review, a video review of Inside Out. Well, in that, that case, I'm going to be, be that should be next week, and I'm planning on having a lot of fun with it. So. In that case, I'm going to be doing uh, pushing daisies. <laughs> uh, we might have to fight over these. Yeah, <laughs> I think we, I think all I think five of us should do the review for Inside Out, and each person can be a different personality, giving their given their uh, <laughs> their points of view on the film from that personal uh, emotion. I think that'd be really cool. <laughs> Who are you going to get to play Mindy Kaling? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's so disgusting. Very nice. Just Nate, what have you been into? Uh, we did just talk last week. Nate and I already went over what we've been into. But I have some things I know that I want to talk about. And Nate, I know that you're always doing some stuff. So. Yeah, I got a couple things. Um, <clears throat> I'll just do one, though. Uh, so... Out of everybody that talks about movies in the group, I'm the actual film critic. <laughs> the rest of us are just armchair critics, which, right. to be fair, is the position that you take when you're watching a movie. Right. Yeah. Usually is. But I just, yeah. So there's, I mean, but I'm in the tons of stuff, too. But anyways, um, so I've covered the Sundance Film Festival the past seven years, and um, there was a film this year that I really wanted to see, but those of you who know me, I do stage theater, and I had a performance... The night this movie was screened, um, it's called Me and Earl and the, the Dying, Dying Girl. Girl, right? Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Oh, that's and cool. it won the best picture for the grand jury, which is like the top prize at Sundance. And it also won the audience favorite film, which is the top audience award. And um, so anyway, I was finally able to uh, be able to see it at a, at a pre-screening uh, this week. And... Holy crap, it's amazing. Uh, it's it's almost, the best way to describe it would be if you took uh, 500 Days of Summer, The Fault in Our Stars, and Be Kind Rewind, and mixed them all into a movie, and that's what you get. But I was following you up until that third item. <laughs> it's awesome. Amy, go, buddy. Can you leave? Sorry. If you couldn't tell, we do have some visitors today. <laughs> and they brought his son, Elliot. And, of course, we're filming this at my house, so my kids are here, and they're very noisy. I am not accustomed to the pitter-patter of little feet, and I hate that sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, anyway, but this movie, like, basically it's about this awkward kid who's starting his senior year in high school, and 
he has a friend who's African-American, and they make these really stupid... Like, they remake movies, so, like... But they always make fun of them. Like, instead of Midnight Cowboy, they have 2.46 p.m. Cowboy. <laughs> and, like, and they do, like, little shots that, or, like, little things. Or like, they, like, they have a sockwork orange, and so they have, like, the clockwork <laughs> orange, but with sock puppets. That's like, awesome. And they're not very long, but, you know, but it shows a whole bunch of them. They're really funny. And then... Um, Anyway, this kid uh, finds out that this girl that lives on his street, who's the same age, has leukemia, and his mom makes him go over and, you know, and like befriend her and and be nice. And at first, it's not working out too well because she feels like he's just there for pity, and which he is. So, well, not really, because his mom's making him be there. <laughs> oh, so it's even worse than pity. Right? Exactly. Um, and, but anyway, they they develop a friendship, and then um, him and his friend decide to make a movie for her. Oh, this sounds and, so much like a movie you would like. Right. Yeah. This is like Nate movie right. all over it. But um, but anyway, it's a really really great movie. It, it comes out in a couple weeks. Um, it's a smaller independent film. It's called Me and Earl and the uh, ah, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and yeah, it's really great. For some I reason, I really liked it a lot. Now I'm just envisioning this rather than what you described it as as a mix between uh, My Girl and the cartoon Home Movies. Probably pretty close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But it's hysterical and sad at the same time. So it's, I don't know, it's got a really, really great... So hilariously sad? Yeah. Okay. It's got a really great... And that's how I felt about um, Inside (laughs) Out as well. Uh, I've never seen... We need to do a Pixar podcast at some point. I I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we have opinions about Pixar. Yeah. Good ones. And bad. (laughs) Because some of us hate up. Anyway. (laughs) Or cars. Because they have no soul. Uh, Apparently not. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I'm done. That's that's. We could go to Brady now. All right. So I was meaning to talk about this last week, but you know, I was so into talking about some of the video games I was playing that I didn't get into it. And considering that we're going to spend a long time talking about video games today, <laughs> we'll save the video game chat. We'll, we'll save the video game chat for now because I am going to talk about my foray into anime. <laughs> So I, I'm going to be 100% honest. I could not get into anime no matter how much I tried until we started Reviews vs. the World. When I realized that I was doing this with a couple of people who are really into anime. And I felt like, okay, I need to give it more of a shot. So I actually started off with Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood after Aldo did his review. Which I am just now getting ready to get into. And it's, I've it's never good. seen it. I've never it, had it either, but it's that'd be definitely awesome. very good. In fact, out of everything that I've watched so far, it probably is my favorite, even though it has a lot of the tropes that I really do not like about anime. Yeah, um, I've tried to find shows that don't have those tropes, and there aren't very many of them, and a lot of the ones that don't have the tropes wind up not being very good, unfortunately. So, yeah. The... So... I'm just going to name off um, a few that I've actually watched in the last month. Okay, be prepared for some explosive laughter. Okay. So, I started off with Attack on Titan. Okay, yeah, Attack on Titan is actually really good. It is. It is. It's really cool. It's really really good. The thing that bugs me about Attack on Titan, though, is I don't like the art style with the really thick um, outlines to, to all the characters. It... Something about it really bugs me. 
and it really gets on my nerves, but then it starts into the big action sequences, and it's I don't awesome. care. Oh, yeah. it works. It, those action sequences are great. The thing that I hate about Attack on Titan is the main character. Oh, he's so obnoxious. I hate him. The whole thing should be about the, like... The hardcore fighter chick that hangs around with him. Well, she is the best character in that show. Yeah. So talking about anime tropes that I hate. Yelling everything that you say with such emotion! Which is exactly <laughs> what the main uh, character in Attack on Titan does throughout the uh, whole series. But he's not even likable. He's just he's a, not. He's a brat. And the Titans themselves, their design just doesn't work for me. Oh, I love the design of the Titans. Yeah, it's creepy. Yeah, it's it, creepy. It's way way out of place. Creepy, childlike look in their eyes, and yeah, I the love way it. that they run. I love like, it. Stupid grins on their faces. Oh, I love all this so much. <sighs> anyway, anyway, but the action and the overall story arc of it, I think, is mm-hmm. amazing. Have you seen the preview for the new Japanese film of it? Live action Japanese film. Oh my goodness! I have not. No, I haven't. It's yeah, it's on YouTube. And I'm sure they'll bring it here and dub it, probably. Oh, probably. So, after Attack on Titan, I jumped over to Sword Art Online. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sucker. Which which probably has been the heaviest on the tropes of anime that I don't like out of everything that I've watched. (laughs) I can't touch it. I, I, nope. Nope. Sword online. No, sword on online is is and, out. No. And and it makes me think. You know, do main characters in anime always have to be so unlikable? I mean, the the thing is, in Full Metal, Full Metal Alchemist, very likable protagonist. Actually, has a personality. Mm-hmm. Attack on Titan, Sword on Online, no personality, <sighs> and they they just try to be stoic heroes. That that's a trope. In anime, and it's one that I really hate. You've got this guy who feels like duty bound and obligated to be the protector of all the women, of all the people. Uh, Attack on Titan plays on this a little bit by making him such an angry son of a gun, but it's a trope that bothers me. I'm looking forward to somebody deconstructing the heck out of it because it's a trope that needs to die. Now, there's another trope, and I'll, I'll actually talk about this in a minute when I talk about another show. But Sword Art Online does it as well with their season two, and it really, really bugs me. But I'll, 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 I'll mention it, and, okay. I'll, and I'll call back here I'm in, a in suspense now. All right, so the next one that I watched was The Devil is a Part-Timer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which, well, let me set this up for you. So The Devil is a Part-Timer is about the devil. His name is Satan. His name is Satan. His name is Satan. And he's in another dimension because Japanese people don't quite understand Christianity. To, to be fair, we don't really understand Shintoism, so... That's true. That's true. But, yeah, he's in another dimension, and somehow he gets trapped on Earth and loses most of his power. Yep. And so, what do you do when you are the devil and you are trapped on a lost planet... With your with your lieutenant, and you have lost all of your abilities. How do you start to try to take over this new world? By getting a part time job at a fast food place. <laughs> yes, this is a thing that exists in the real world. And you know, the, the thing is, I love fish out of water humor. It can be so wonderful mm-hmm. and played so well. Um, if you know, just as a side note, one one show that I think does fish out of water pretty believably 
it's Sleepy Hollow. I love Ichabod Crane in yeah. Sleepy Hollow. But here, it's that's where a lot of the humor comes from, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's it's not my favorite show. I couldn't finish it. It is funny. It's very. It funny. is very funny. It is it is a humor that actually translates pretty well. Um, but yeah, it's so silly, <laughs> so silly. There's you can get the DVD collection, um, and on the back of the box it says "Meet Satan, Lord of the Fries." <laughs> <laughs> There's a card game called Lord of the Fries. That's like your zombies that work in a fast food restaurant. It's a card game. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and, and and at one point in the series, across the street they put in a chicken place that's run by an angel. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that far. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. Okay, so, I yeah, have to that, check that out, even so, if it's ridiculous. So yeah, I have to that, that that's sad. The devil's a part timer. Uh, and then I. I had started this, you know, actually a while ago when I was first starting to get into anime, and I actually went through and finished it, Death Note. Okay, Death Note. Death Note's cool. I think... Death Note is the show that got me into anime. Yeah, you told me about that one. I mean, I watched a little bit of anime in college, um, primarily Dragon Ball Z and a show called Yu Yu Hakusho. I have since revisited both of them and found them both to be hot garbage. Um... Death Note, I still enjoy quite a bit, actually. Well, Death Note is just very cleverly written. Uh-huh. Even though th- there are a lot of things that I don't that I don't really like. I don't like the over-explaining of anime. There's another trope that <laughs> really bugs me. I mean, you don't have to tell me in every episode the rules for the Death Note notebook. I get it. I understand it. You don't need to go on for, oh, say two minutes in a monologue about the rules that you explained in another two-minute monologue the episode before. That's not even the most annoying part of Death Note. The most annoying part would be Light, the main character, our uh, self-appointed savior who's going to wipe out all crime by mass murder of criminals, taking a potato chip and eating it. (laughs) Talking about over-explaining. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh man. man. Guys, good. It, but it, it, it is wonderfully written. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great cat and mouse, which is something that I actually really love in, in literature. One of my favorite books is Crime and Punishment. Yo, yeah. This is, this is not as good as Crime and Punishment. This is, no, this is not Dostoevsky, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, as far as, like, gateway anime go, um, Death Note's a good one to, to come in on. It's it's gonna it's gonna be one if if you don't like Death Note, um, then you're gonna be hard pressed to find an anime that you will like. It's it's probably one of the most accessible to Western audiences. Um, it's got a really strong detective murder mystery sort of hook. Um, decent characters. It looks really good. It has a lot of the foibles and quirks of anime where it's limited animation. Sometimes the characters will cover their mouths while they're talking so they don't have to animate the lips moving. But, I mean, Death Note's good. Yeah. And then the last one that I've been into... Oh my gosh. ...that I'm now on season four and I looked at Hulu and I'm like, oh, there's like nine seasons of this. What are you Uh, watching? Bleach. Whoa! Brady! I've been watching Bleach. Brady! I'd rather drink Bleach than watch Bleach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, yeah. Oh, Brady. 
This is disappointment and frustration and anger. I'm liking it more than I expected to. Um, I expected to absolutely hate it, but there are some things about it that I kind of like. Now, here's where I'm going to do my callback. There's there's something that I really hate about these two animes, and I don't know if it's a trope that other animes use as well, but season one of both Sword Art Online and Bleach, they build up a very strong female protagonist to go along with the male protagonist. Mm -hmm. And then... Season 2, they completely take away all their power and turn them into a damsel in distress that needs to be rescued. And that really bugs me, because you have these women who are actually more powerful than the men now needing to be saved. And that... that I, I, I am... I, I'm, I'm not... I don't consider myself to necessarily be a feminist, but that gets to me. So, yeah, there's a lot of anime... Um, and this is one of the things that I hate about the, the medium. Um, a lot of the anime that we get, that we hear about, that becomes popular in the West, they're really fulfilling power fantasies for adolescent boys. And I know that that's a common criticism that's thrown around of a lot of different things, including the thing that we're ostensibly supposed to be talking about during this podcast. Um, we'll get to it. We'll get to the video games. I'm sorry all you people who came here for the E3 news and have had to listen to 20 minutes of us talking about anime. Um, trust me, the anime conversations aren't over. But anyway, there's this power fantasy where you've got these male characters, these young everyman sorts of people, that have to shelter and protect and take care of all of these women. It is a power fantasy for these immature boys that frankly lack some people skills. And um, I'm not saying that to be derogatory, really, because mm -hmm. it's fine if you have a story like that because it means something to somebody. I don't have those power fantasies as much as I did when I was 16 or 17. Now that I am a slightly more mature man-child, I want something with a bit more variety to it. And anime doesn't provide that very often. I've got a couple of palate cleanser anime that I can recommend to you if the uh, anime tendency to uh, weaken their female characters... Well, and, 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 and that's the thing that really bothers me, is it's sudden weakening. Because these, these women are set up to be very strong, very powerful, amazing, amazing warriors, amazing people who can not only fed for themselves, but are busy protecting the male protagonist throughout most of the first seasons. And then second season, just, nope, they're helpless. Yeah. They're in a giant bird cage up in the sky. Yep. And that's all that there is to it. Like I say, I've got some palate cleansers for you. We can talk after the podcast. But anyway, that's all of our talk about anime. For now. For now. There will be more, I promise. <laughs> we, we have to make up for the fact that Aldo hasn't been able to be with us for the past couple of months. <laughs> so we got all of our anime out of the way now. <laughs> for now. For now. We are talking about E3. So let, let's talk a little bit about E3. I think we, we should probably start with a disclaimer that um, I'm primarily a Nintendo guy. I have a PS3, so I have some interest in what Sony's doing. Um... Brady, you're primarily a Nintendo guy. I'm primarily a Nintendo guy. With a PS4. I, and I have a PS4, and I I love my PS4 as well. And Nate, you're primarily... I'm kind of all around, like, well, I should Except say all around. Except you don't own an Xbox. Right. So, I don't, so, no, so well, you, I, you're I really, kind of Nintendo and Sony. Right. So I love both equally. I love both Nintendo and Sony. I think Sony puts a lot more time and thought into their games or whatever. And then Nintendo has Mario and Zelda and Metroid. So, <laughs> like, you know... Yeah, anyway, so yeah. if, if you came to this podcast wanting our opinions on the, the Microsoft news um, and have no interest in anime, 
we're sorry for wasting your time. <laughs> no, I, I, I do have my opinions, and we'll, we'll get to that. But right. before we get to Monday, when, the, when we have the Microsoft conference, we actually had some stuff happen on Sunday. So Sunday morning, woke up to a lovely Nintendo Direct. Mm-hmm. For Smash Brothers specifically. Mm-hmm. And with this Direct, they introduced three characters... One of which, Lucas, we already knew was coming. And, you know, Lucas was my main character that I played in Smash Brothers Brawl. So I was excited to finally, you know, get to play him. Uh-huh. But then they surprised everyone with Roy and Ryu from right. Street Fighter. Right. Is it Ryu or Ryu? I think it's technically Ryu, but I grew up saying Ryu, so I'm going to say Ryu, dagnabbit. Yeah, I'm going to say Ryu. And Tomato, it's really tomato, good. jerks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, so we have Ryu from Street Fighter. Now, of course, you know, as soon as they said, and they're available now at the end of the Direct, I had to go and download all three. Right. Um, And Ryu is actually really cool how they have him set up. Because, yes, you do have your regular Smash Brothers controls of, you know, A for your regular attack, B for your specials, B in a direction for different specials, etc. But... Everybody loves the slinky, the slinky. Yeah. My, my almost two-year-old just came in with a giant metal slinky on our hardwood, on our hardwood floor, so I apologize for that sound. But anyway, so you have those controls, but they also implemented the classic Street Fighter controls. So like you can do half circle, yeah, half, yeah, half circle A, and you know do your Hadouken, and that Hadouken oh my is more powerful than the regular Hadouken. Stop. Hadouken. Come on. Okay. <laughs> he shouts Ryu and Hadouken. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, that's not the point. The point is that you can play him like you would in Street Fighter and his moves are more powerful, or you can play him Smash style and have them be a lot easier to pull off and more dependable. Do you is it like paid download or is it it's just, paid. It's paid? Yeah. Right. So I have opinions about Street Fighter. I am terrible at the games. I am awful at the games. But I love the Street Fighter characters. I think when Capcom makes a game, they come up with really good character designs for the most part. Um, but Ryu is... I don't know. He's like vanilla. He mm. is the baseline with which to compare all the rest of these wacky characters that show up in Street Fighter. Like, oh my goodness, it's a... Gypsy who shoots psychic bolts and tarot cards. Oh my gosh, it's a man with a hat who flies and throws his cape off. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's Beast if he were electrocuted. Like I love. Oh my the- gosh, it's Beast if he could pour oil on himself to slide around. Oh, I love Hakan. He's my favorite character in Street Fighter Four. Just rotate the sticks and push the buttons, and you just slide around and kill everyone. He's the best. <laughs> Yeah. Like so, the first Transporter movie. Remember so He spilled the oil on the floor and yeah. gets the bike. So my reaction to this news that Ryu was going to be in Street Fight or in uh, Smash Brothers was like, well, that's nice. Here's hoping they bring in one of the interesting characters soon. <laughs> yeah. And they, they also introduce a lot of... Now, in the new Smash Brothers, you can actually have um, me fighters... That you they customize based yeah. on their means, and they've been releasing costumes, and they actually 
had a costume for somebody from Virtua Fighter oh, and geez. somebody and somebody from Tekken. So technically, you could have people from Tekken, Street Fighter, Smash Brothers, and Virtua Fighter all in one game. Together. In my dreams. Kirby is going to swallow one of his opponents and then scream, Get over here! <laughs> I voice. When Smash Brothers crosses over with Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that would be awesome. And they also did have a few stages available. There was a stage specific for Ryu. Um, a stage... A stage based on Miiverse. Which is kind of interesting because you, it just pulls in the different Miiverse posts that people are putting out there online and adds them to the stage. So, it's kind of fun. Cool. And the classic Kirby Dreamland stage with the tree that blows winds. This song remixes very well with Drop It Like It's Hot. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Awesome. They also announced that they're going to be adding in a new mode um, that's a tournament-specific mode. And like with Mario Kart 8, they're adding in YouTube playback uploads. So where you can automatically upload to YouTube, which is pretty awesome. So after that direct, they have a Nintendo World Championships, which they haven't had in, oh, 25 years. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool that they did it. Now, if you've ever seen The Wizard... <laughs> the Wizard was about the Nintendo World Championships. Well, it was and more the Power a Glove. Big, yeah, a big commercial for the Power Glove in Super Mario Brothers Three. Yeah, but anyway, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, now with the World Championships, they did have some multiplayer games, but it was mostly about speed running and getting the highest scores possible in different games. And they had a couple of announcements. Um, one that really struck me was actually the original Mother game, which Earthbound, if you've ever played Earthbound, is Mother 2. Mm -hmm. So Mother 1 was released for the first time in the U.S. on the Wii U Virtual Console. So they finally localized it and brought it over. Cool. Yeah, um, news like that is what makes me really want to get a Wii. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. So I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but it is available now, which I think is awesome. Um, also, they announced last fall, and they didn't say much about it, but it looked like a first-person shooter with a giant soccer ball where you're trying to shoot the soccer ball into a goal. Wait, isn't this the Metroid thing? We'll talk about it oh, once we boy. get into the Nintendo. Okay. Because <laughs> I get into the Nintendo. Okay. Correct. Okay. At this point, they just, they just announced it as Blast Ball, and they didn't have much information about it. Now, the thing that I really love... Was, and we'll be talking more about this, was Mario Maker. Yeah. Which, yeah. Well, they, they actually had Mario Maker as part of the Nintendo World Championships with some levels created by Treehouse employees. Treehouse is Nintendo's department for... Nintendo of America's department for localizing games and translating and things like that. Uh-huh. And so it's some levels that they had made that were just absolutely insane. Right. Like, they, they had a setup where there was a row of doors that people could go into, and each one was basically... You know those moments in games when you come across some... When you come across an enemy, and you just go, nope, and back right out? Yeah. <laughs> That's what was behind almost every one of these. Like, you'd go in, and, oh, look, there's 500 boos coming in at me at once. Nope. Get it out of that door, go to another one. Oh, look, 
there's ten Bowsers stacked on top of each other. <laughs> nope. It's the Nope Doors. <laughs> the Nope Doors. And so it, that was actually really cool. Not to be confused with the Dope Doors in Detroit. <laughs> My gosh, Nate! <laughs> sorry. No, people... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. People have been modding Mario Brothers levels for so long, it's kind of surprising that it took Nintendo this long to come up with an official product for them to do it with. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. This... I, 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 will, I will go out there and say it right now, this is my most anticipated game this year. Me too. Well, that's the most exciting news. What are we going to do with the rest of the half hour, 45 minutes that we're doing on this podcast? Just because we're most excited for that doesn't mean we're not excited for other things. Yeah, we'll, 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 and we'll talk a little bit more about Mario Maker. And let's find things to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> but first, let's talk a little bit about Bethesda's conference. Um, so I don't know if you guys had a chance to check any of this stuff out. Um, but the, they started out really strong. Right out of the gate, showed Doom. Yep. And Doom was very beautiful and very, very gory. Mm -hmm. There was one part that will haunt my dreams forever where you rip an arm off, a cor off of a corpse to use the hand to open up a door. <laughs> you know, for kids. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, the multiplayer is actually what really struck me as looking pretty cool. They have a lot of different customizations, options, but... They also have a level creator, which is not usually something that you see in a first-person shooter, especially on one on a console. And it looked pretty in-depth, so I'm actually pretty excited about that one. Cool. Yep. Yep. I got no opinions about Doom. Okay, then they showed Battlecry. Right. Which is a third-person online brawler slash shooter. Uh-huh. And it looks interesting, but completely unnoteworthy. Right. <laughs> going into open beta this year, and that's about all I want to say about it. Yeah. Next, Dishonored 2 was announced. I love Dishonored 1. Yeah. I love Dishonored 1. Dishonored 1 was one of the few games that actually delivered on the promise of going about your missions the way that you want to go about them. Say that you want to... Let's say that you have to go into a party and you have to, you know, you have to assassinate someone or get some information out of someone. Alright, well, I can go ahead and use my stealth abilities and just kind of sneak in, or, you know, mm -hmm. go and climb on the outside of the castle and find a way in. I could possess a rat and turn into that rat and then just, you know, go right. and use the rat to crawl through all sorts of hidden tunnels. I could just go in all guns blazing, mm -hmm. and I, I love Dishonored 1. Dishonored 2 looks really cool. I do love the fact that it actually has... A, a dual a dual protagonist. You can be male or female. So. Right. Customizations options are always great. Hmm. Any other thoughts? No. Dishonored is a game that my brother holds up as being one of the uh, pinnacles of video game storytelling because of the ability that you have to kind of look into people's brains and hear their oh, thoughts. Oh yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so, that's neat. Yeah. yeah, having that sort of continue is going to be uh, yeah, that's a good step forward. I think I've always uh, Dishonored has never been a game that I've actually played myself, but I've heard a ton of good things about it. I, I highly recommend it if you can find it for cheap. Which right now we have the Steam sale going on, and they've put Dishonored up there for pretty cheap before. Uh -huh. I keep your eye on it because it's a great game. Cool. And Dishonored Two, all that they showed was 
all that they showed was a cinematic trailer, which it drives me crazy when all that they show is a cinematic trailer because yeah. I don't care about the cinematic trailer. I want to see actual footage. Right. What it That's like. not what the game is. Right. All right. What system well, is it for? So it will be for Again. PS4 and Xbox One and PC. Right. Okay. As will most of these games. Right. Including Fallout 4. Yay! That's what? that'll be fun. What's this? So Fallout 4. I've never heard of this. Is this a franchise? There were three other Fallout games? There were four other Fallout games. There were yeah. Four. yeah, well, I've never heard of these. Do tell. Oh, Fallout 4 is wonderful. If you like Skyrim, but you feel that it's a little bit too cheery and bright, <laughs> and you'd rather have a little bit of nuclear fallout, and mutants, and creatures, and gore, Fallout is for you. <laughs> Hooray, I'm a degenerate. But honestly, Fallout New Vegas is one of my favorite games in the last five years. Yeah. I absolutely adore it. And it's interesting because Fallout New Vegas actually wasn't made by Bethesda. Right. But I like it better than Fallout 3, which was made by Bethesda. So kind of interesting that way, but I'm really looking forward to where they're taking Fallout 4. They showed a lot of footage, including that they are bringing back bats, which is a very controversial sort of battle system, but I really like it, and I think that it fits an RPG style. Uh-huh. If you don't know what bats is, it's basically you can pause the game as you're coming up to an enemy, and you can choose what body part you want to shoot at. Right. They did that in 3. Yeah. 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 And it will give you a percentage of the likelihood that you are to hit them. And then you have a bar that shows you, well, how many attacks you can get in from this one bat session. Uh-huh. And it will also show how much, if you hit them, it will take their health down. Right. So you can kind of plan things out and, you know, target multiple guys, you know, take out their legs to make it easier to uh-huh. just run up and beat them with a stick. Right. <laughs> but th- they are bringing it back. Um, another thing that they are bringing it out is you can custom build your own settlement, which actually looks really in-depth. Like, you wire the town for electricity, yeah. you you can build turrets and things to protect people, and, you know, you take care of you take care of the people in your little settlement. Right. So, that <laughs> looks really cool, and you can also custom make weapons. So, like, cool. there's huge options for that. Right. That sounds cool. And then they also announced that Fallout Shelter, which is a free-to-play game, is now available on the iPad. So I free to play. Right. I'll it's admit, another mafia game. It'd be a real shame if something happened to your thing. I'll admit that I uh, didn't see anything about Fallout Shelter, but I uh, have played in the past um, an Archie video game on that's free to play, where you just run around fixing people's houses in Riverdale, playing as America's favorite teenager and his friends. And uh, yeah, that's how I'm picturing this. That well, almost sounds like a great sim game. Like Archie, maybe gets a zit, and like you have to like go to your local market and pick up some cream. And Jughead has to go babysit. <laughs> well, they they have it. They have it set up. Um, if you played, if you played the previous Fallout games, where it's basically you're the overseer for uh, vault, and so basically you you set up your vault and you know set up different places in there. You know you can have gyms. And they're all that great Fallout art style with the 
smiling guy with the blonde hair. Yeah, like the, the 1950s blue, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and the blue jumpsuit, you know. Uh-huh. So that that's what the art is like, and you can send out people on trips, and they actually, from what I've read, they do not fall into a lot of the horrible in-app purchases that you get with most um, that you get with most free-to-play games. They don't have you know timers that you can that you have to speed up mm-hmm. by spending actual money or anything like that. Right. You can actually really just go in depth and really design things and have fun with it. Cool. And so it looks pretty well done. All right. Any other thoughts on Bethesda? Nope. They sure are a game company. <laughs> I enjoyed Fallout Three. I haven't played New Vegas even though every I have a copy I... of it. Every time I pick up a Bethesda game, I wind up hating myself in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'll admit, I'm not a fan of the Elder Scrolls series. I don't like, I don't like Oblivion. I, I don't like Skyrim. Right. I think that the combat is awful. They are very buggy games. And oh, yeah. I, that, that's Bethesda's biggest problem is mm-hmm. is just the bugginess to it. I mean, the, the fact that I can swing a sword. And hit you from twenty feet away, but I can swing the same sword when you're right next to me and not hit you. <laughs> means that there's something wrong in your code, right. and you should fix it. <laughs> and also, you know, just just putting this out there, if I accidentally pick up a cup, that's not a reason for everybody in a town to start trying to kill me. <laughs> Disproportionate response. That's that's all we're saying. It, 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 it reminds me of Assassin's Creed, where. Apparently, rooftop loitering is an instant death sentence. <laughs> All right. So, with that, we'll actually go ahead and take a break before we get into the big three conferences. Um, and we'll be back in just a moment. All right. Woo! Yay! You gotta be honest. If there was a video game adaptation of The Old Man in the Sea, it, it could be good. I'm just yeah, it, it could be a survivor with your hand hurting, and <laughs> over and over and over, just three words pop up on the screen: my hand hurts. <laughs> <laughs> with with quotes around it, and then. Anyway. <laughs> you, you win the game by holding the X button for 12 hours. <laughs> you get an achievement for not saving at any point. <laughs> oh, goodness. And with that, we are back to our E3 cast. Edgar Allan Poe would be fun, too. <laughs> An Edgar Allan Poe video game would actually be really pretty cool, as long as it's not as bad as... Oh, say the Raven was. I don't know if any of you saw that, mm-hmm. but I would not recommend it. And this is as as a fan of John Cusack, I think that he's a brilliant actor, but that movie was horrible. Right. Three words for you: Poe versus Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> you can make your check out to Stephen Bradford and send it. <laughs> uh, you know that that kind of reminds me. I've I've wanted to actually play. Um, Bloodborne, which seems kind of... I love Bloodborne, but it's Lovecraft-esque. Yeah, I love it, but it's it's hard. Yeah. It's hard on easy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's enough of the games that have already come out. We don't care about those. Or the those. games we wish would be made. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about those in a minute. <laughs> 
All right. So, we are going to get on to the one that some of you will be very excited about, and none of us had enthusiasm. <laughs> I apologize up front, but we're going to talk a little bit about the Microsoft conference. Right. So, the first thing shown was Halo 5. Halo is like this rite of passage for college students, it seems. Yeah. I have never played Halo. Ever. Ever. I like my roommates played Halo all the time. They threw sticky bombs at each other, but the first person shooter is just not my genre ever since I sucked at Goldeneye. Can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it. So yeah, I, I I understand that Halo is a franchise that means a lot to some people. I never saw the appeal. Yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest fan, to be honest. Yeah. Um now I will say that back in the day doing LAN parties with, you know, a few Xboxes and doing Halo two, that was a fun time. Yeah. That but was you were time. together with everybody. Though. But you were you were together with everybody. Yeah. I will say though, I will forever be grateful to Halo Five because it brought about the clueless the clueless gamer, the Conan O'Brien clueless yeah. gamer, uh, <laughs> him, Andy, and their um, what's his name, Aaron. Yeah. Playing <laughs> Halo Five against three of the stars from Silicon Valley. Right. And, Seeing Andy get upset because T.J. Miller shot him with a rocket launcher while he was staring at his feet and had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> comedy. And by by the way, this is this is a plug for Conan O'Brien's Clueless Gamer segments. They are wonderful. They're hilarious. They have been your so favorite funny. one. I think my favorite one's been the Smash Brothers. The, the Smash Brothers or the Mortal Kombat one. Oh yeah, the Mortal Kombat Ten one where he had those two NFL stars. Once again. Not my forte. I have no idea who they are. I don't really care. But anyway. Well, man, the Smash Brothers, when uh, the guy's like, oh, yeah, well, that's so-and-so from this. And Conan's like, quick, who was our second president? And he's like, uh, uh. He's like, you don't even know your second president, but you know everybody from Fire Emblem? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, but the Mortal Kombat one was absolutely wonderful because just seeing their reactions as they're seeing these horrible, horrible fatalities on screen, <laughs> and the fatalities in Mortal Kombat Ten are not for the faint of heart, right? And yeah, it it was wonderful just seeing these very actually real reactions. Of, Oh, goodness. Anyway, back to Halo. So, Halo, and they did announce one cool mode, which was a 12 versus 12 mode. Which, wow. that's a lot of people. That's yeah. a lot of lag. And that has to be <laughs> pretty big stages, and their servers have to be up to snuff, which, based on the Master Chief Collection, from what I've heard, it's not. So, get working on that 343. Alright, the next thing introduced was ReCore. Now, this was actually one that really, really interested me. Um, and it's basically because of who it came from. It's Keiji Inafune, who was the creator of Mega Man. He also did the Dead Rising games, um, Lost Planet. And so he has a pretty good track record. Yeah. And Armature, which Armature is a studio that's staffed mainly with people who used to work for Retro Studios mm -hmm. um, back in the day. So a lot of people who made Metroid Prime, which is my personal favorite game of all time. So that got me very interested. Um, this is futuristic robots. You have a robot dog companion, mm -hmm. which, okay. <laughs> 
And so, yeah, it, it looked interesting enough, but once again, and this is something that Microsoft has such a huge problem with every year, they just so show cinematic trailers instead of showing what the game actually looks like, so you have no idea what's actually going to be in the game. You just have right. their little their little 30-second movie, mm-hmm. and I am not a fan. Yeah, um, we talked back when we did the video games versus storytelling uh, something, whatever the podcast was called. I forgot the name of our own show, guys. Um, <laughs> that that cutscenes and cinematics are really important for contextualizing the action that takes place in a game. <laughs> but if that's all your trailer is doing, you're not selling people on the actual gameplay aspect, which is what they're shelling out the 60 bucks for. I can't believe we cut, spend 60 bucks on video games. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Alright, so the next thing, this was actually my highlight for the Microsoft conference. I'm glad somebody had one. Yeah. And that's they announced backwards compatibility with the, with the Xbox 360. Guys, I was about to ask the question, why isn't this just standard? I know, right? seriously. Well, I know yeah. the answer. It's expense. It is really expensive yeah. to create backwards compatibility. And now with HD re-releases... Of, of classic games, when you have an HD re-release of the game, you make more money off of it by selling it again brand new. Right. So, yeah, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of backwards compatibility going forward, but it is nice, it's a nice gesture on the part of Microsoft. See, right? and this is one thing where Nintendo has actually excelled this generation. Mm-hmm. Both the, the 3DS compatibility with the, with the DS is flawless, uh-huh. but also the Wii U to the Wii. Yeah. And it's wonderful because... In, now, I'm not sure about the 3DS to the DS, because I'd never had the, uh, gosh, what was it called, the DSi that actually had downloadable games, uh-huh. so I'm not sure about that, but I really appreciate the fact that all of my downloadable games that I had on my Wii mm-hmm. transferred over to the Wii U. Right. And from what they're saying, they're planning on keeping that up with the NX, which, right. you know, has me, has me pretty excited, but... Hearing that Microsoft is actually going to be doing this is awesome. Now, it does come with a caveat, where they're only starting with 100 this winter. 100 games that's backwards compatible with. But it will be backwards compatible with either the digital version or the or the disc. Right. Which is wonderful. And they promise that, basically, developers just have to say okay to let their games be played on the Xbox One. And then it will be there. My fear is that it will end up being like the backwards compatibility that the 360 had to the Xbox, which right. is not good. No. Yeah. It was it was not good. Even the back from the PlayStation 3 to the PlayStation 2 wasn't very well implemented either. They didn't exactly. have it on most iterations of the PS3. Yeah. I, exactly. I did have it because I had one of the fat 60 gig ones that actually my Blu-ray light laser stopped working and I had to get a new one. <laughs> A new PlayStation 3, but anyway. They All gave right. me a huge discount, though, so that was nice. So the next thing that they showed is they showed more of Fallout 4, which we had already seen the, at the Bethesda conference, so it wasn't all that exciting, except for they did say two things that were of note. One is that the Xbox One version will support PC mods, which if you've ever played Bethesda game with mods, it's pretty incredible, the stuff that you can do. Really? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and also that they're going to include a copy of Fallout 3. Wow, cool. Along with it, so, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and it has been confirmed that the PC mods will be coming later to the PS4, 
version of Fallout 4, but no. not right off the bat, like the Xbox One version. Right. Alright, the next thing that they talked about is something that I'm very excited for, and this will be released on both the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, and that's Garden Warfare 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare. It's, yeah. I, 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 I will admit, I've gotten a little bit tired of shooters lately. I've played so many of them for so long, and there are two shooters that stand out in my mind that's doing something different this generation. And one is Splatoon, and the mm-hmm. other one is Garden Warfare. Mm-hmm. And they showed off some pretty cool things um, with Garden Warfare 2. They actually have a, they actually have like a zombie horde mode, mm-hmm. playing as the zombies against plants. Right. And so that'll be awesome, because they had that for the original version, but it was only as plants against mm-hmm. zombies. So Hence the name, yes. Plants vs. Zombies. Da, da, da. Um, they announced Forza 6. Next. <laughs> they announced Dark Souls 3. So mm-hmm. if you're a masochist, you got another game coming. Especially if you stuck around after Dark Souls 2. Wait, actually, I have no idea. That might have been a good game. Oh, it, the, the Dark Souls games have been very good, but they're ridiculously hard. It's the same developer as Bloodborne, uh-huh. except for apparently they are tougher than Bloodborne. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really into games that make me want to pull my hair out because I do not have much left. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the only games we like to play are Mega Man. I do love Mega Man. Mega Man games are so hard. They're awesome, though. <laughs> They're wonderful. They're good. They're good. They announced the Xbox Elite controller. Now, this is something that was actually pretty cool because it has customizable buttons and sticks. That means that you can... Rearrange your controller however you want them. If I'll put want. all the buttons on the bottom. <laughs> it's not quite that in-depth, unless you hold the controller upside down. <laughs> Interesting, but then if you invert everything, it might work well. <laughs> but, but what has me excited about this, even though I don't have an Xbox One, I do have a PC. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it will be compatible with PC as well. Cool. So, they talked a little bit about Rainbow Six Siege. And said that it will include Rainbow Six 1 and 2. What about the other ones? How many Rainbow Six games are there? Are there six of them? I figure there's more than six, but I don't really care about them. Is this a Tom Clancy game? Yeah. Okay, we can move on now. Next. All right. They announced Tacoma, which looks very interesting. And it's going to be a timed exclusive for Xbox One. Um, It looks to be in a space station. Uh, This is one where it's a first-person view... It seems like this would be an obvious choice for VR if you are wanting virtual reality, which I assume we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And then they did another indie game called Ashen. It looks to be a dungeon crawler with a really cool art style. But the one, this is my favorite game for Microsoft's entire conference, and that was Cuphead. <laughs> oh, oh my god! That does look great. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Which we we actually just watched um, the trailer again for Cuphead before before recording this podcast. What are your guys' thoughts? My thought was some game animator out there is is watching this trailer for this video game that is 
stylistically based on old, like, 1930s Mickey Mouse cartoons, and they are mm-hmm. kicking themselves because it is such an obvious design choice. Right. Oh, and, and the thing is, it really does look exactly like those cartoons. Yeah. It looks like an old Mary Melodies cartoon, or uh, Silly Symphonies. Yeah, or, or even Disney, like what Steamboat Disney Willie. Was- <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like those old cartoons with the pie eyes and the jaunty music. Uh, but it's a... Uh, what type of game is it? It's, well, it's kind of like a, a, plan- it's a platformer. Is it a platformer? Okay. Because yeah, yeah. it almost looked like a bullet hell. Yeah. In some parts of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it was. It looked great. Yeah. It yeah. looked... I, I don't have any snarky comments. And it will be on PC as well. So I will get to play it still. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, Xbox conference. Um, That's all we got. Can I just say something about Xbox? This is my own personal opinion, which you may not care about. It kind of seems like the poor man's video game system. (laughs) Despite the fact that it is ridiculously expensive. Yeah, well, it's... PS4s are more expensive. Well, yeah. But PS4s are, in my opinion, way better than an Xbox One and the way they implement things. I just... I don't know. I just think that Microsoft's a big waste of money. Yeah, I I think that they really dropped the ball with... Yeah, yeah. 360 was okay, not enough for me to buy one and keep it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. Anyway, so we still have a few more to talk about. Rise of the Tomb Raider. I actually loved the Tomb Raider reboot. I did too. It was awesome. And I really wish that this was coming sooner to a system that I own, but right now it is an Xbox One exclusive. Mm -hmm. But they've also left room open that it basically... Seems to be timed, but Microsoft doesn't want you to know that. Right. In other words, it will likely come to the PS4 at some point, and the mm-hmm. PC at some point, yeah. but right now it is exclusive to the Xbox One, and it does look amazing. Yeah. Um, it, just graphically, it's beautiful, mm-hmm. and it has the gameplay that I loved from the reboot from Last Generation. Yeah. I ne- You know, I never got in the Tomb Raider until this reboot because the because controls, they were terrible before that right they were terrible and the controls were weird like you could only move like up down left or right like you couldn't just like wander around the stage so I, I'd like to point out that Elliot has found my Yoshi amiibo and is carrying it around <laughs> that's cool Elliot someday someday somebody's going to have to explain to me what the heck amiibos are about oh we'll, we'll talk about it oh no we'll talk about oh, it oh no okay yeah. Yeah, I do have that game, don't I? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Hurry, go. Go back into the back room, guys. See you later, Peanut. <laughs> the Peanut Gallery. Get it? <laughs> All right. Um, See, and, and as we can tell, even the kids want us to start talking about Nintendo. So we'll get, we'll get there eventually. Um, rare we Rare Rewind. Now this is something that's actually really cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This I do have an opinion about. So, it's a collection of 30 different games from Rareware. Now, the ones that... The the ones that they had that were a little bit more, you know, stuck with licenses... Like, obviously, you're not going to have Donkey Kong Country on here. Right. You're not going to have GoldenEye on here. But they do have a lot of classic, you know, regular Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and 64. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that anything that they've made since that is necessarily classic, but you right. also do have Eva Pinata. Right. Um, <laughs> I love Eva Pinata. So Pinata's it's a collection of 30 games for 30 bucks. It's a good deal. It's yeah. a good deal for some great games. When you're paying 40 to 60 bucks for a single game, yeah, that's yeah. a good deal. Yeah. So, thoughts? 
Rare made some great games. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of like these archive collections because it creates this opportunity for people to get to know these older games. Um, preservation of like video game history is something that is kind of a going concern if, if you're going to start talking about video games as an art form, which I think we've established we here at Reviews vs. the World are proponents of Definitely. video games as art. Definitely. You need to know where you come from, and some of these compilations are good. It's, it's not the ideal system, but it's, it's fine. And again, Rare's got a great back catalog. Mm-hmm. So speaking of Rare, they're finally making something that isn't connected to Connect. <laughs> About dang time. Yeah. And it's called Sea of Thieves. It's an online MMO pirate game. That they just showed a cinematic trailer for us, so we really don't know anything about it other than they're pirates. <laughs> Microsoft, stop doing this. Please. Watch show us be, actual games. Watch them like show a cinematic like pirates, but then the game's actually a western. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. People are like, what the crap? Next they showed off Fable Legends, just said that it's coming this year to PC and Xbox One. Right. Now the thing to pay attention to with this is this is not a real Fable game. This is a free-to-play game, and the impressions so far have not been positive in the least bit. It's multiplayer, kind of dungeon crawler-esque. Fable Legends? More like Feeble Legends. <laughs> Steven, now you're down at my level. <laughs> yeah, nobody snarked in a while. Right. It's been at least five whole seconds. So the next thing that they showed is something that you're going to have to take with an entire bucket of salt. And that's HoloLens. Aha. Uh-huh. Which, HoloLens, for those of you that don't know, it's sort of, it's, uh, basically imagine it's kind of like Google Glass, where it's these goggles that you wear that will actually work with augmented reality like you would see on the 3DS, where it will basically display holograms in your field of view that you can interact with. And they showed it on, you know, where he took Minecraft and he put Minecraft on a big table and then sent fireballs down and, and different things. But the thing that you have to keep in mind is if you watch, if you watch this, take it with a grain of salt because the goggles basically all that you will really be able to see, you're not going to be able to see that entire table. What you're going to be able to see is a tiny little square. And that's all that you're really going to get out of it. And I've, I've heard very mixed things from actual impressions of it. But if you do end up buying a HoloLens at some point in the future, do not expect what they showed in this film. All I know is I've seen enough episodes of Star Trek where the holodeck gets messed up to know that this way is a bad way to go. (laughs) And then they announced Gears of War 4 and showed very sad footage that didn't look very good and was very disappointing. Got no investment in that franchise. Done. Okay, EA. Mass Effect Andromeda was announced for holiday 2016, and the trailer made absolutely no sense, didn't do anything to show anything about the game whatsoever. (laughs) EA has a little bit of Microsoft-itis in that they just wanted to show you trailers and not gameplay. Mass Effect, I I said this actually during the break, but 
I played Mass Effect until the first time my character got in an elevator, and I know the storyline's supposed to be great, but those frickin' elevators. I couldn't do it. That that blew me out of the whole franchise. I love the Mass Effect trilogy. I've, I've never played them before, but I'm really excited to play them because I have them now. They are very well written. The combat is tight. Um, just the world building in this is really out of this world because uh, it's in space. Brady, now you're down to mine and Steven's level. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Next, they announced a new Need for Speed. And showed stuff from it for like 20 minutes that I am never going to get back. <laughs> Next, they showed off a new expansion for Star Wars The Old Republic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are they making more sense? So, Star Wars The Old Republic is an MMO that I actually prefer to World of Warcraft, but still have not played very much of. Right. Um, I haven't played it in probably a good six months. Alright, just one moment. My daughter needs to tell me something. I'm probably going to edit this out. Okay, what do you need? Okay. I need you to wait your turn. Wait my turn? Yeah. Okay, I need you to go get Mama. Okay. Okay. Alright, so then they showed... Now, this was actually really cool. Unravel. Which, did you guys see anything for that? I just saw a little, little bit. So I don't know much of it. It's a beautiful game. It's a 2D side-scroller where you're uh, basically a creature made out of yarn that uses yarn to grab onto stuff in the real world. And it's actually really cool looking. So I would definitely suggest going and and checking that out. Garden Warfare 2, they showed more footage of that. Then they did their sports games for like an hour, right? Which, NHL, this is, this is why 4, NBA Live, FIFA 16, Madden 16. This is why I didn't pay attention to EA. I don't care about the sports games. Well, seeing that, like, I kind of do. I enjoy the sports games, but I, came, I come from a family where my dad's whole side of the family is, like, religiously... Like, they're sports fanatics. Like, Super Bowl Sunday is a bigger holiday than Christmas on my dad's side of the family. Okay, I know that's going on. But, like, but you know, like, I mean, I know that they're not for everybody, though. And a lot of people that play video games usually aren't into sports as much as somebody like me, you know, growing up with my background. But I, I care about the, the sports games. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of, like, a lot of college students seem to like sports games. Like, I think right. there's, there's certainly a market for it. Right. I'm just not part of it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, but it's it's also a thing where it's like, I know that if I pass up on the next Madden game, they'll just be one the next year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so, like, it's not, they're not games that I want to buy every, you know, you every year. You go to the U section so. in any video game store. The use section is 75% EA sports, sports games. games. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I will say this, you know, bravo to EA for, in their FIFA 16, they're finally actually having women. Right. Wait, women play sports? Yeah, yeah apparently. I don't believe it. Then they showed off a bunch of mobile games that nobody cares about because he really knows how to screw you when it comes to mobile games. <laughs> oh, man. And they did a mobile free-to-play minions game for like 20 minutes. That was not very fun looking. Uh, <laughs> then they showed Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Uh, yeah. 
Mirror's Edge is a franchise that I've never gotten into, but that's not for lack of it's, desire. It, it's one that I know that you would actually be very interested yeah, in. Yeah, like, Mirror's Edge looks interesting, and so I, I'm glad to see that the IP is getting some support. It's a first-person platformer. Which is probably the reason that it scares me, because <laughs> yeah. first-person platforming doesn't work very well generally. Yeah. But just the franchise as a whole, the fast-running... Uh, the only story. times that I've seen first-person platforming work well are in the original Mirror's Edge and Metroid Prime. Which, once again, Metroid Prime, favorite game of all time. Yeah. So, right. So that's saying something. <laughs> all right, and then... Star Wars Battlefront! Yay! I'm so excited. Yeah, it, it looked awesome. <laughs> and, and the fact that they actually showed real gameplay and not just a cinematic trailer, and the right. gameplay looked fantastic. Look great. Now, I, I'm, I'm still a little bit wary because I don't like DICE. Right. The, the, which is the studio that's developing it. Right. Um, they make the Battlefield games. If you've right. played any of those, yeah. I'm not a fan. Right. But Battlefront, that trailer, wow. Yeah. Then that moment at the end when it shows you as Luke running. Yeah, running towards Darth Vader. That running was awesome. towards Darth Vader was just a really cool moment. And yeah. it also made me realize how much I miss John Williams' music. Yeah. It's good stuff. It'll because, be back well, this December. Woo! <laughs> okay. Any last thoughts on EA? I didn't have any first thoughts on EA. Okay. Just, I mean, Battlefront was one I'm really excited for, but... Like you said, you have to be, you know... Try not to get caught up in the hype of it, because it could be disappointing. But it looks really good. Yeah. Exactly. It looks great. I, I don't think that they will be allowed to screw up this franchise too much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> allowed to. That's yeah. funny. Alright, so the Ubisoft conference was not my favorite. This was my least favorite of all the conferences, and that includes Microsoft. Is this is this where they didn't announce Beyond Good and Evil 2? Well, of course they didn't. They, they announced Beyond Good and Evil 2, like, six years ago, and then... and then Mr. Ansel, who made the original one, left the company. Yeah. And now I wouldn't trust anyone at Ubisoft with it. I don't think... I actually heard that it's been cancelled. Yeah. Beyond Good and Evil is one of the only video games that I have bought twice. So good. I, I love the game. Mm -hmm. I love it. it. It's got some great combat. Uh, the photography minigame is built into the plot, so it's actually essential to do, and fun, and not clunky, which a lot of these things are. Um, had great characters. Jade is a fantastic character. Uncle Paige is the fat, disgusting, flatulent pig who is somehow <laughs> still charming and endearing. Uh, like, it's a great game. It was a great, great game. And the fact that we are not getting the sequel, it saddens me. But you know what we are getting a sequel to? South Park, The Stick of Truth. Get out of my house. <laughs> this is my house. Get out of it anyway. <laughs> so we are getting South Park, Fractured But Whole. I, hey, I just barely figured that out. That's gross. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Now, the thing is, Stick of Truth actually got great reviews. Apparently, it's actually a very well-designed game that I've been meaning to play, but I can't get over the South Park element to it. Right. And I've heard that it's absolutely hilarious, but I can't get over the South Park element to it. That's if you don't like South Park, it's not going to be of interest to you. Yeah. It's that simple. So, where is Stick of Truth dealt with a lot of fantasy tropes, um, fractured but whole is superheroes. Oh 
is what they're really de- delving into. So, uh-huh. you know, South Park, that means, yes, the coon is going to be there. Yes, Captain Chaos is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, blah, blah, blah. Next, For Honor. This game looked pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a third-person war game. That's about the best way that I can put it. It's kind of like the... It's kind of like the Samurai Warrior series, except for with Assassin's Creed Combat, mm-hmm. is kind of what it looks like. And there are three different factions to it, which are Knight, Viking, and Samurai. Huh. Any thoughts? Moving on. The crew had an expansion announced for the five people who bought it, because it was a horrible game. Charles Fusion had an expansion announced for the millions of people who bought it for some reason that I don't understand. Because it's not a very good game. The Division was shown. Now, this game looks really interesting. Um, I'm worried that this will turn out to be the next Watch Dogs, which had a lot of potential and was hyped up and ended up being crap. Yeah. But this actually showed some really cool stuff where it had a party exploring a dark zone, Mm -hmm. which is basically... It's possible to turn it into PvP. Right. And so it went through the demo where they they met up with a couple of other people online who weren't in their party, so they couldn't actually really communicate with them, and, you know, there was the thing of, you know, do we trust them or not, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then in the end, as they're waiting to, for the LZ to come and pick them up, they ended up killing the other people to get their loot. And then one of the guys in the party says, Hey, you know what? I want everything. And so he kills everybody else in his party. Right. And just takes his loot, and then the demo ended. And that, that looked pretty cool, but meh. All right. Just Dance 2016. You can use your cell phone now. Next. <laughs> Jeez, okay. Rainbow Six Siege. Did, did we talk about that already? We did, and they showed more of it. And I still don't care. <laughs> Next. Trackmania Turbo, which was our KD-type racer. You can build your own tracks. Uh, I'll tell you, my mind went a different direction when you said tracks. Yeah. That's probably not appropriate to bring up in this in this setting. But I... <laughs> yeah. So, instead of watching anything for Trackmania Turbo, instead, I want you to go online and find footage from Fast from Shinin Games for the Wii U, which looks amazing and so much better than this piece of crap. It's and funny, too. There's been, there's been better games, better-looking games to create your own tracks, like Mod Nation Racers on the PS3 was a blast. Yeah. And, you know, and that was fun to share your stuff online, and you can race other... I mean, it was great, so... I don't know, but the way this one looks is just... It almost seems like a rushed product, almost. Yeah. So, guess what? It's another year. That means we get another Assassin's Creed! Right! Yeah. I'm excited and not, like... So, it's Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Yeah. And they... Ubisoft promised up and down that it wouldn't be a disaster like Unity was last year, uh-huh. which was played by so many bugs and issues and... I never played Just it. bad gameplay, and... It's, it's like... Here's the thing. You have... 
Black Flag. What's great about Black Flag? Uh, just about everything. The fighting's fun. The the theme. The pirate, the pirate ships. ships. Yeah, the pirate right? ships. Yeah. So so let, let's take let's take all those pirate ships, and we're making a sequel. Let's get rid of the pirate ships, and instead add a lot more tracking missions. And guess what? Assassin's Creed Syndicate looks to follow that. Right. Now, the one thing that has me excited about Assassin's Creed Syndicate is actually, I love the setting. And the setting is London during the Industrial Revolution. Right. Which is kind of a cool setting for a game that's not used very much and should be. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I might rent Assassin's Creed Syndicate. The problem with these yearly games like Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty is it gets to the point where I, I really do get franchise fatigue. Right. Because they're not introducing enough new things and... Right. I'm just not interested in it. Yeah. It's like Call of Duty, it's like every single year. And what I hate too is the down downloadable like content. You can get like new maps and stuff to play with. Like it pisses me off that they have one and then like two months later a new game comes out. Like you know, which everybody else jumps on and you don't really have a lot of people playing, you know, back on last year's game. And I think that's sad yeah. that they, they put so much time and effort and money into everything. You know? So anyway. Alright. And then the last thing that they showed was my favorite part of their show, which was Ghost Recon Wildlands, which they didn't tell you that this was a Ghost Recon game when it started up, but the gameplay that they showed, it was tactical, showing different different ways that you and your party, they're, they're big on online co-op at Ubisoft. Apparently, that's all that they care about these days. But this actually looks really cool because it had, it had these... It had basically, you're trying to take down this drug kingpin, and it showed three different ways that you could do it, right? You know, working together. And it was actually really cool. Um, I recommend going and checking that out. All right. Any last thoughts about the Ubisoft conference? Beyond Good and Evil 2, rest in peace. <laughs> Makes me sad. I will say, Ubisoft released Rayman Legends and Rayman Origins. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, okay, awesome. okay. They, they have some grace. But, and Far Cry 4 had its good points, but uh, I'm kind of done with Ubisoft. All right, the Sony Conference! Hey, finally, All I right. contribute! Yay! Okay, now the first one, first thing in the conference that I know that Steven and I are going to have some words on. Yeah, we are. The Last Guardian. Yeah. So The Last Guardian was introduced, oh, seven years ago. Uh -huh. For the PS3, um, it's by Team Ico, um, who made Ico. Ico and Shadows of the Colossus. Steven, why don't you give your thoughts? Okay, again, if you listened to Video Game Storytelling Podcast, you already know Ico is one of my all-time favorite games. Video gaming as a medium is strong, not because of the time you kill, but because of the experiences it let you have. Right. It lets you have. They let you have. Grammar, not good. It's late. Um, but yeah, so Team Ico, they make these games that are different from every other game that you find on the market, mm -hmm. um, but it's a different experience. And they've got the sense for how to make an aesthetic experience out of play that I have never seen replicated in any other studio. Right. Ico is fantastic. I have not finished Shadow of the Colossus. I am in the minority on that, of people who've played it. Most people love it. 
I trust these guys because they have done a great job of really turning video games into art. And so I am just so hopeful that The Last Guardian is actually for real this time. Because, yeah. So here's where I stand on, on Team Ico. I have not played Ico. And I admit that really puts me behind in this conversation. Most people would say that Shadow of the Colossus is the better game. And I was not the biggest fan of it. You know, I appreciated it once you actually got into the big boss fights. I, I appreciate that atmosphere. But what I don't appreciate are clumsy controls and boring long segments in between those boss fights. Right. Uh, riding your horse and yelling at them in Japanese. <laughs> and then <laughs> holding your sword up to the sky and, okay, yep, I'm still going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Let's go see what we can find. But the controls are really what I had a problem with that I, I really couldn't get over it. Like I said, I haven't played Ico. But I don't I, think the controls are going to win you over an Ico. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But I, I, I will say this about The Last Guardian. I'm cautiously optimistic because that giant bird dog, Trico, I think is what they're calling him. <laughs> but Something, yeah. it actually has personality like a real animal would behave. Right. Now, of course, you can assume that a lot of these are scripted. Yeah. But, you know, and they're not... It's, it's not going to react differently on another playthrough. It's kind of where, where I'm getting at with that. But it it was pretty adorable. What wasn't so adorable were the puzzles did not look that great. Yeah, well, again, Ico was more about the experience than the actual puzzles. Um, the way that the story flowed organically from play, the way that the character interactions were built up through play as opposed to uh, through cutscenes. Uh -huh. So, honestly, this is a kind of a dumb thing to say about a video game, but the gameplay is the least compelling aspect of, I of Team Ico's games. And that's fine, because I like these games. I think we need these games that are pushing narrative in a new direction for video games as a medium. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm fully supportive of Team Ico. And if The Last Guardian actually does come to fruition, it is one of the only things that might convince me to finally get the PS4. All right, Nate, thoughts? Um, <laughs> here's my thing. I haven't played the other two games. <laughs> um, I didn't... Well, they were... It was kind of a genre that I wasn't really too interested when they originally came out. What kind of bothers me about The Last Guardian is they've been showing it off, like... I think they even started showing it off before PlayStation 3, didn't they? No, like, it, was, it, was, it was after the PlayStation 3 came out. It? it was like seven years ago. Yeah, but still, I mean seven years and we're finally getting to it like I know wonderful movies <laughs> that are a lot harder to make that only take four years yeah you know what I'm saying and like and it's it's like I feel like the things that happen in this game are from what we've seen isn't really revolutionary anymore mm -hmm. and so like I'm sure it'll be awesome but I don't know if like it being awesome is really going to sell me on it. Like, I want something That's different. Yeah. I want something different that I haven't experienced before. Well, I will say that Mad so. Max Fury Road was in development hell for quite some time. True. So you never know. That's true. <laughs> All right, so the next, the next game. Now, this was actually probably my second favorite of the entire Sony conference, and that's Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, that looks awesome. Oh, my gosh. Right? So, this game is post-apocalyptic. Right. But it's also Stone Age. Mm-hmm. 
basically you're a cave woman in the future fighting robot dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm smiling so big. <laughs> it's like somebody made a video game just for me. <laughs> Have you seen the preview for it? I actually channel? didn't. No, I skipped this one. Oh man, you should watch it. It's yeah. pretty freaking cool. But like it, it showed a lot of cool elements um as you're fighting as you're fighting one of these dinosaurs as you're sneaking down and you see basically these these different robo dinos all getting together but you're taking this thing down with a bow and arrow. And, you know, like explosive arrows and stuff on there, too. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, obviously they've they've been able to scrap together some stuff from, you know, society. Yeah. From our society. But, and one of the coolest parts was going around the dyno and shooting these rope arrows to basically tie it to the ground. And it... It yeah. just looked really, really cool. It really almost cool sounds like they made a video game out of a Jack Kirby comic book. Right. And that's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, but it just... Well, it was cool. Like, it showed a couple smaller... Like, they almost looked like raptors in Jurassic Park, you know? And, like, she could take those down pretty easy. But then, you know, a big dino comes out, and, you know, she's, like, sliding under it and, like, shooting up into the middle of it. Like It was, it it was, was crazy. Really cool. I can't even, like, describe it without... I can't now, do it now, justice. Now, here's, here's my only thing. It's being made by Guerrilla Games, who you might know from the Resistance series, right. which are not great games. Right. Yeah. So that's my only thing where I'm a little bit hesitant, but other than that, besides one big thing that you've probably heard about, and you know that we're going to talk about here in a minute, this was my favorite thing from Sonic Helmets. Oh, we're so going to talk about it. Okay. Second thing. I mean, next thing, uh, Street Fighter V. They right. showed more footage. Once again, like, I have an investment in the Street Fighter characters. I think the character designs for the Street Fighter characters are fantastic right. when they're not overtly sexist. Um, right. But, no, Shun Li is the first lady of fighting games. She's a great character. She's one of my favorite Street Fighter characters, despite the fact that ever since Street Fighter, like, three or four, I've been completely unable to control her. Right. Um, and, so, and, and just now like her, a real and now woman. legs are bigger than my head. Yes, <laughs> and that is fantastic. <laughs> I, it's, it's goofy, and I love it. I love yeah. Chun-Li. She's one of the greatest character designs, I think, in video games. But, really, at this point, I'm just waiting to see which other characters they introduce. And yeah. so far, there have been no real surprises, except for Birdie. Yeah. That's kind of a surprise. Birdie was in some of the, the middle Street Fighter games that nobody really talks about. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that they're bringing back some of those older characters, because they've got some great-looking characters from back then as well, mm-hmm. that that's pretty from exciting. Like, from, like, the Alpha days. Yeah, from the Alpha days in Street Fighter Three. these games that people kind of don't really talk about. Right, right. right. Well, what do you, well, my... This is going to sound bad, but I don't mean it to be bad. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of... Well, okay, maybe it is kind of bad. <laughs> I'm kind of tired of, like, fighter games. Like, we get Mortal Kombat 10, but then we have, like, Injustice, which is basically Mortal Kombat with DC skins, you know? And, but, but and then you got, I can actually play Injustice in front of my kids. Right, yeah. You know, and then, you know, it's like Street Fighter Five. It's like... What, You're dead to me, Flanagan. <laughs> besides the way that they look, what's the difference? What's new about Street Fighter Five that's going to be different and new and exciting? For me, the one to drop 60 bucks on it. And this is, this is the thing. Fighting games are big on tournament circuits. Mm, right. I am not good enough at these games to play on tournament level. Oh, so right. for me, it's the flavor. It's the character designs. It's 
so I, I'm right. looking forward to that aspect of it, and it'll be the right. new characters that are going to draw me to it. But really, the the tweaks that they've made to the fighting system, mm-hmm. um, that's really to appeal to the people who are hardcore fighting mm-hmm. game fans, which right. we're not in this right. room. See, because Smash Brothers is not a hardcore fighting game. Right. I'm not saying it's a bad game. But it is not the same as a Street Fighter or as a Mortal Kombat or as these other highly technical games. And and I attach myself so heavily to Smash because it is... It's accessible. It's a party game. It's accessible in a way that Street Fighter isn't. Right. It's And, you know, now with the Wii U one, I can get eight people together, play in one room, Uh and just have a blast. And that's something that you don't really get from... A lot of other fighting games. Right, that's true. You know, so I mean, it's I'm not I'm sure that it'll be fine as a fighting game. I'm sure people will like it and it'll make a lot of money. But but for me, it's like I the last fighting game I bought was Injustice because I love the DC skins. So why should I buy Immortal Kombat? You're dead to me, Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. I just I don't see myself dropping sixty dollars on a new Mortal Kombat or or uh, Street Fighter game just because yeah. I I can get my fighting fixed through that through. Uh, Injustice and Smash Brothers. So, anyway, that's my two cents on it. All right. So the next the next couple of games are very interesting. No Man's Sky. Yeah. So. <laughs> no Man's Sky. It's it's basically an indie game where you explore the universe, uh-huh. and it's basically there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of planets mm-hmm. that are all developed. That basically, who knows if some of them will ever in the lifetime of the game actually get explored. Right. But it's basically you're going you're going around to these different planets, exploring them. You know, sometimes you'll have to fight off the local life and things like that. Um, but the goal of the game is to actually get to the center of the universe. And I assume that in going to these different planets, you basically get the parts to your ship that allow you to go further and further in. But I, I love that it's just so open and up for exploration in a way that I've never seen a game before. Right. It looked really cool. I mean, it could be a bomb, but it could be <laughs> awesome, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, and, and I love the fact that the developer's like, I have no idea what's going to be on this random planet that I'm choosing. Yeah. But let's see what's there. Right. And that was really cool. Just I hope that the rest of the game has that much wonder to keep you going from planet to planet. Exactly. You know, if they're completely different, each you know, I mean, the yeah. next, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just I was just saying, if you know, if you're at one planet, you go to another, and it's completely different. That's awesome. But if you're visiting all these other planets that look the same, there's no reason to have all the different exactly. Planets. It it has a lot to prove itself, right? Just but it does look really that. great. It looks really beautiful, actually. So. so the next game, this is a really weird one. Yeah, it's from Media Molecule, who. They're the people behind Little Big Planet, which is a better concept than a game, uh-huh. in my opinion. <laughs> right. And the, I I'm, love the first one. I love collecting everything in the first one, but after that, it's been kind of... Yeah, and, and I'm afraid yeah. that this new one is going to be a lot the same way. It's called Dreams. Uh-huh. Dreams looked interesting to me. Yeah. And the, the, thing, the thing is, you know, I highly doubt that my creativity is going to be able to... Show like shown in the trailer. I mean, right. they, they have a lot to prove themselves. Right. Um, with just the basic gameplay mechanics of drawing that they show, that's not going to be in depth enough to really be able to bring these things to life. Right. And I'm skeptical. 
Yeah. It's, you know, I, I love the Little Big Planet series, but whenever I tried to go in and make my own, like, you know, make my own things, it was kind of tricky. And I know that they had tutorials to help you and this and that, but, like, I'm not an artist. I can't draw with my hands, like, worth crap, you know? But... I don't know, like, designing a level for Little Big Planet for me was difficult. And that's not that I have a poor imagination. I just didn't understand how everything worked well enough to be able to put it all together and make a cohesive level right. to anybody else. I mean, I think the only level that I ever published was, we're in Utah, and I did Arches National Park. <laughs> and you just walked through and saw the different arches that I'd recreated from Arches National Park, and that was it. Like, that's all I could do to think or, you know. So anyway, I don't know. It's, Dreams looks, it's a beautiful game. Or it looks to be beautiful, but it's, I don't know. It's going to be yeah, it, heavy on your imagination. Yeah. With this one. It'll yeah. be one that I look up on YouTube a lot, but probably would never play. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually a really good way to put it. Yeah. Okay, so the next one, Firewatch. This one looked actually really interesting. Um, it's basically a first-person survival game uh-huh. where... The entire time you're actually, you're in the woods, and you're trying to get back to your ranger station, and you're on, basically, you have a walkie-talkie talking to a woman, talking to a woman who's trying to, you know, help you to get back, but the thing that really caught me with this trailer was actually the the dialogue is really snappy and Uh witty. Right. And and fun and it has me wanting to see what she's going to say. It it reminded me of you know the type of wit that you that you saw in Portal, for example. Right. So that that actually had me kind of excited. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, it looked really cool, but they didn't show a whole lot of it, so I'm excited to see see more of it. Then there was a Destiny expansion. Yeah. I'm a fan of Destiny. I know I'm Brady is not. It. <laughs> I am like a... not. I, I, I am so ridiculously bored by that repetitive, <laughs> awfully designed game with... That is the worst use of Peter Dinklage <laughs> since Underdog. And until Pixels. Yeah. But, you know, no, I, I like it. I know people complain that there isn't much of a story, but the more you play it... The more things get unlocked, and there's cutscenes, and and um, you know, there's story elements that come about the more that you play, and the more you level up and stuff. So I actually like it. I have a good time with it. Um, I prefer playing that uh, over Call of Duty half the time, more than half the time. I'd rather play Destiny over Call of Duty. I feel like the combat system is a lot uh, more balanced. And I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm a fan of Destiny. I really like it. So more of it's good. So. Yeah, I got the same response to Destiny actually that I have to Halo. Like I can see why people like it, but there's something about it that just doesn't appeal yeah. to me. Well, and, and guess what? They're made by the same company. Oh well, yeah, funny. right. That, that, that sounds that, like a great coincidence that right. I brought them up together. Then. But you know the thing that I kind of like about Destiny that, for me personally, I like a lot more than Halo is it plays when you're playing the mission levels, it seems a lot more like Uncharted with a Halo skin than it does another, just another Halo game. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different combats that you get into and, and that are different and, you know, and it progresses. The little story it has along just fine, but like I say, like the, 
the more you play, the more the story starts to come out when you collect the little cards that give you history on things or this and that. The, the story starts to fill itself out, but you have to play a lot to get that stuff. So. Right. And if you're patient enough, you know, I, I like to say I'm patient enough, then, you know, I've had a great time with it. But I know Brady doesn't like it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. And I have a brother-in-law who is really, really, really into it. Yeah, Paul. And I just can't get there. <laughs> and that's okay. So they show more Assassin's Creed Syndicate gameplay. Uh-huh. Next. Next. All right. World of Final Fantasy. <sighs> Has a kind of interesting chibi art style. It seems to have the active time battle system that you've seen in previous Final Fantasy games. Uh-huh. But at the same time, Steven, you are shaking your head and just have we'll, uh, exhausted look on your face. Can, uh, let's let's get all of the the dirty laundry out in the air first. Okay. Before before I start my rant, because I have a rant. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm done. Rant away. Oh, um, I've got this. Okay. Square Enix needs to innovate. Their IP. They need Final Fantasy needs a real good shakeup. Um, I just their their standalone games that haven't been the MMOs have been really wanting in the art direction department, in the character design department. But when they try and go back and mine their past, which is what World of Final Fantasy seems to be, it is they showed characters. They showed Cloud, who is the poster child for this company, and he's a terrible character. They, they, they seem to have lost their direction. They've lost their innovation. They had these great stories, these great character designs, um, and compelling plots, but they're getting so lost in their own sense of grandeur that it's it's painful to watch. I it started watching the trailer for World of Final Fantasy, thinking it would be interesting, but the instant Cloud showed up, I was done. I was so done. So th that takes us into the Final Fantasy VII Remake. My gosh! This game was not that good. I'm sorry. I know it's the first Final Fantasy game a lot of people played, and it's the game that brought a lot of people into the franchise. It is not a good game. It is not nearly as good as what, in my mind, will always be Final Fantasy III, but it's actually Final Fantasy VI. I'm sorry, but Sephiroth is absolutely no Kefka. Sephiroth does have better music. Oh, yeah. One Winged Angel is a fantastic track. The reverence for Final Fantasy VII gets on my nerves because, again, it's not really that spectacular a game. It was incredibly goofy, which is fine. Final Fantasy's got its goofy elements, and that's great. Its protagonist is insufferable. Cloud is horrible. Well, it goes back to when we talked about the anime tropes with a with a stoic male lead. The same that... same tropes come up in the JRPG, mm. and Cloud is the poster child for it. Oh yeah! Thank goodness for Final Fantasy IX, which had a main character that actually had a sense of freaking humor. See, in, in my opinion, my favorite Final Fantasy games go three, nine, and then seven, and that's just because seven's at least better than most of. <laughs> well, at least better than the rest. Yeah. Which isn't saying all that much, to be honest, but, you know, I still really did enjoy this game, and it is interesting to see a remake on this level. The last time that they've done something like this was actually the remake to Resident Evil, 
for the GameCube, which was outstanding. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm very cautiously optimistic. No matter what, I will buy this game. This was my favorite reveal of the conference, even though I wish that they would have shown more than just, oh, look, he's walking, it's Cloud. Oh, did you see Barrett's gun? So yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm cautiously really hyped. I just think this is such a poor use of resources. I, I really do. Yeah, but did you see Final Fantasy XIII? Do you really want them developing new? Maybe it's time for them to develop a new or some more IP, different. Just branch yeah. out. Get away from the JRPG formula for a while because yeah. it might not be working for you anymore. Well, what, what about Bravely Default? Bravely Default was okay. But it has a lot of the same problems that I have with the rest of Final Fantasy games. I do recommend Bravely Default. I think I stated that back in our initial podcast um, when we were talking about it with Aldo. Um, I do recommend it because it is a return to form in some of the better ways. But it is basically just Final Fantasy again. Four mm. Warriors of Light seeking out the crystals to stop the end of the world. It's got some neat narrative twists along the way that definitely make it worth playing. Right. right. But yeah, Bravely Default is a better use of their energy then Final Fantasy VII again. Yeah. Alright, so after the excitement of Final <laughs> Fantasy VII... I'm done. <laughs> they went on and introduced a bunch of indie games that looked like indie games. Oh, I have to say, there's one... Eater? Eater? Eater, that one Eater. looks cool. Yeah, uh, Super Brothers meets Diablo. I'm okay with this. Yeah. That looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> what? There was a... Did I see a, a brief little... At the beginning of the conference, they were showing, like, really quick screenshots of a whole bunch of different games. Mm -hmm. Did you see the one? What was the one where it looked like somebody was drawing on a piece of college-ruled paper, and it <sighs> came up? Do you know what I'm talking about? Right. I, I, think, I think that's one of the VR demos yeah. that they have. Could be. Anyway. But I was like, oh, man, that looks really cool. And then, like, yeah. I never saw anything about it after that. So, yeah. Anyway. Sorry. So, next. Now, this is something that's very interesting. I've never played the Shenmue games. Uh, I know that they're I know that they're highly revered. Yes, they are. I've never played them either. And so I can't really add much to this, but I will say that it's interesting that instead of the Shenmue three being announced in general, the Kickstarter for Shenmue three was announced. That bothers me a that, little. That seems a little bit tacky to me. It's like, hey, we'll make this if you give us some money right now. Right. On the one hand, that's what Kickstarter's for. Yeah. It's yeah. to see if there is enough financial interest in a property or a project to justify its existence. On, on the other hand, an E3 conference probably isn't an appropriate place for that. Well, these giant studios, I say giant studios, I know that video games are only giant from our perception. But anyway, these studios that have the resources to make full games are generally not the group that Kickstarter was created for. It right. was created for smaller groups, for independent creators. And so this sort of high-profile approach to a beloved yet, I don't want to say defunct property, but it's been out of the public eye for so long that that might be the appropriate word. I, this it, was, was, it, was on, it was on the Dreamcast. I don't think it was really ever in the public. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like an inappropriate use of Kickstarter. Yeah. Not one that I'm going to, like, crucify them over. I'm d it is it is surprising. You know, and, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, I think that we're going to have to have uh, versus Kickstarter <laughs> at some point. Um, I love Kickstarter, by yeah, the way. It is cool. But, you know, you have these things where you have these high-profile companies and high-profile developers who are like, I have this pet project that I want to do, now pay for it. 
and that's a little bit that's a little bit odd to me because it seems like they're really kind of playing on us to get it. Now, I'll admit, I I I, I gave the ukulele, but yeah. that's you know. All right. So next up, Batman Arkham Knight. They showed a new trailer. Um, it was a Scarecrow tri- trailer. It looked pretty cool. Um, they actually just started coming out with reviews for Arkham Knight today, uh-huh. which basically they say, it's amazing, it's wonderful, it's the best combat yet, until they force you to use the Batmobile, which isn't very well implemented. Oh, uh, right? vehicle sections. Yeah, and yeah. apparently it's pretty ham-fisted, which really makes me nervous. Yeah. But at the same time... I will get it eventually because I love the Arkham games. All I know is that in Arkham City, Batman could fly, so putting him in a car seems like it's a step backwards. It, exactly, and you know some of the some of the reviews actually brought that up, saying, "Well, you can get along a lot faster, and it's a lot more fun if you just fly." But yeah, so kind of interesting there. So next up, virtual reality, Project Morpheus. They showed a lot of short clips of things that were coming to it. Eve Valkyrie, Soulfire, The Deep, Riggs, World War Tunes, Wayward Sky. And all of it, I rolled my eyes because I'm not going to pay several hundred dollars for a piece of equipment that separates me from my family. Right? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, personally, I think that these companies are putting a lot of high stakes into virtual reality that I think are unrealistic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, any other thoughts on VR? None. I think it's a gimmick. Like 3D movies and the time that they did 3D movies again. Yeah. So, the next thing that they showed was PlayStation View. Now, if you don't know about PlayStation View, it's only available in a few markets right now, but it basically replaces cable. Everything and is replacing cable. Cable is cable and it streams. Well, the, the thing about this is it actually does have real channels, so it really replaces cable. Ah. But it's a streaming service, and the thing that they introduced about it that actually has me a little bit more excited is the channels are all a la carte. So you choose exactly what channels you want. But at the same time, I have now been without cable completely, without even local channels for a year. And I've just had Hulu and Netflix and Amazon, and I am perfectly fine. Call of Duty. Once again, these annualized franchises that I was into for a while, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. No interest anymore. Right. They're not for you. They're for the people that are going to get into them now. Yeah. Probably. And then they had actually a big, long trailer of just little clips of things, and then there was something that caught my eye for a second called In- Until Dawn, but they didn't actually show anything for it. I right. looked up Until Dawn, because it caught my attention, because some of my favorite games, which is another thing, I can't believe this didn't come up during Video Games versus Storytelling, or whatever the heck we called that. I love survival horror games. Mm-hmm. But I looked up Until Dawn, and just the impression that I got is that you were playing as the blonde chick that's going to get murdered in a slasher film. Ah. I'm not a big fan of slashers. The gameplay looked like it was something akin to uh, Dragon's Lair, 
where <laughs> your character's like running around and you have to make a choice whether you're going to hide from the killer or run from the killer. There were some interesting things, like there was a moment when uh, the character, who is a blonde girl that has just gotten out of the bathtub and is wrapped up in a towel, by the way, um, anyway, she is hiding from the killer behind a wall. The little motion sensor bar pops up on the screen with the warning, don't move. And so if it's tying the motion controls into keeping still while the killer is hunting for you, that's the most innovative use of motion controls I have ever heard yeah, of. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And that is cool. And But other than that, just the aesthetic of the game kind of turned me off because I'm not big into slasher films. Although I would be lying if I said that I didn't enjoy Saw on a primal level because right. it's an awful movie, but I loved it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> tangent. So it looks like it could potentially be an interesting game. All right. So the next scene was Disney Infinity 3.0. I don't understand this obsession with video games and collecting figures. I don't get it. I don't get it, you guys. Yeah. I, yeah. Aldo would have a lot to say about this game because apparently, well, he works for the company, you know. Oh, right. can we say that? I, I don't know. You got all mumbly. I mean, um, it makes sense for yeah. kids. Like, this is the Pokemon uh, trap, you know. Exactly. Spend right. money, your kids go out and buy other figures. I mean, it makes some sense, but for grown-ups, I don't get it. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, I like, know grown-ups play these games. Well, the sad thing is, is like, okay, for me, so I bought my boy Elliot Skylanders. Do you like Skylanders? So he loves Skylanders. He shook his head yes. Um, the problem is, like, the... I don't know, just the figures are so expensive. And then, like, you buy the game. Like, let's say you buy the starter pack. It's, like, 80 bucks because you get the $60 game, then the portal thing, and then a few characters or whatever. But then all the new characters are, like, between 8 and 15 bucks. But you go in and you go play your $60 game, and you only have, like, 45 minutes of actual story, and then everything else to do in the game is you have to buy... You have that, to buy it. Yeah. You have to buy the figures. So, so it, it's like combining the free-to-play model right. with with a $60 game, and exactly. that should not be happening. No, it shouldn't. You should be able... Like, I haven't thought this with Mario Kart, because I love Mario Kart, but at least Mario Kart gave us a full game, and then they introduced the... Oh, and, 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 and the thing is, their DLC was so inexpensive. Yeah, it was. So worth it. The, the Mario yeah. Kart 8 DLC is the best downloadable content that I have ever seen right. for any game, hands down. Yeah. It is I mean, so get, well crafted. Those courses are 16, amazing. 16 different courses to play. Uh, what, six characters total? And then new bikes. I mean, And then they even had stuff like Link was in it. He, he's not even a Mario game, but he was in You know, I mean, they just did a lot of fun things with that to make it worth it. But when, you know, you can't go down a certain road in Skylanders because you need a $15 character that's, to get there. It's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I'm not a fan. Like, I'll never buy another Skylanders game ever. So, it's just me. All right, and then they had Star Wars Battlefront. Yes, they we actually showed... That. A desert planet, there's some confusion of whether it's the one from Star Wars Episode Seven, or if it's Tatooine. I've heard it both ways. Yeah. So, but definitely go watch it. It's really cool. I thought they were both on Tatooine. Like, I thought Episode Seven was on Tatooine. It probably yeah. is. Well, they, 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 something, it's a planet that starts with a J or something. Jatooine? It's like Jatark or something. Jatarkooine? Yeah, seriously. Okay, and then they showed a very long, very, very cool Uncharted 4 gameplay demo. 
Yeah, um, Uncharted... Uncharted are, like... Those were the killer apps for the PS3. Oh, the definitely. reason to get a PS3. Right. Um, so, here's hoping that they can keep the keep the franchise going. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the first Uncharted game. I love so, I love the Uncharted series I, so much. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that it's enough for me to want to buy a whole new system for Uncharted. Yeah. I actually... <laughs> I wanted the two games I wanted the most when I got my PlayStation 4 was Arkham Knight and Uncharted 4. Yeah. I love Un- I love the Uncharted series dearly. Like as a film critic, like watching, you know, watching him playing Uncharted is awesome. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just like, oh, I'm going around shooting guys. Like there's a really neat like Indiana Jones-esque style to it. And the characters are fun and believable and the voice acting is amazing. And just, anyway, the acting I love in it. general, they actually the character does the characters act. Yeah. And yeah. It, it worked for me in a way that I again, that I was not expecting because that's right. not really my genre of game. Right. Yeah. I love adventure platformers, but like, yeah, but I, Uncharted's one of those games where it's like, I, I have Uncharted 1, 2, and 3, I've never sold them back to GameStop or whatever, and I play them regularly, like, I, they're like a good movie to me, I can put them in and play through them again and again, and I don't get tired of it, but... I'm that way, except for I did not like Uncharted 1, yeah. it, it just didn't have the polish that the, that 2 and 3 had, yeah. and it was absolutely obvious that it was their first effort. Right. But, but still, if yeah. that was their worst of the three, that's still pretty dang good. Oh, yeah. It's I like mean, saying Cars 2 is the worst Pixar movie. No, <laughs> no. You did not just compare Uncharted to Cars no, 2. No, 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 listen. I'm just saying, no, I'm comparing it to, like, any Pixar movie is still better than most of the animated movies. That Except for Cars 2. Except for Cars 2. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> I'm just saying that... All right, moving right along. <laughs> we had the Nintendo conference. Uh, here we go. Now the Nintendo conference... Let's get it out of the way. It was a little bit disappointing. Um, there are a couple of things that I am legitimately excited for. Definitely. But uh, I am also angry about some things. Now, now here's here's one thing that that really irritates me is Nintendo has three huge things coming up that they did that they already that they announced a long time ago. They would not talk about at E3. They had Zelda, Zelda Wii U, which. I am so excited for that game, and yeah. I'm salivating over seeing more, and I am very upset that it was delayed mm-hmm. until next year. They have the NX, so their next system that they said is coming, and they keep on dropping more and more hints about it, but they haven't given really much information, and they actually have their mobile stuff that I'm interested to see what Nintendo's take on mobile is, right. and whether that's what will finally actually get me to respect mobile right. as a gaming platform. Right. Um, but none of them were pl- none of them were present, and you can tell that the Wii U is it's on its last legs. They're just getting everything else. It seems out. like it just yeah. barely got on its first legs. <laughs> they're they're getting everything out of the way before you know yeah. before the NX comes, yeah. and you know you could really kind of feel that I I did appreciate I did appreciate that they used the Jim Henson's workshop to to <laughs> yeah. actually design the digital event. That was fun. Um, I didn't think it was as fun or as clever as last year when they did Robot Chicken. Right. But it was still fun. Yeah. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, that Muppet version of Reggie, what's-his-face, was oh. the ugliest Muppet I've ever seen. Well, that's <laughs> because Reggie is one of the ugliest people you will ever see. Oh, so. that's mean. If oh, you're, he- 
is. Reggie, it's if you're so listening, weird. we're sorry. We're sorry. You're doing a great job at running Nintendo of America, but you as have a man, nothing. you are not an attractive man. <laughs> Says Brady. I think you're dapper. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get to this. I'm a dapper man, man. Damn it. All right, Star Fox Zero was announced. <laughs> so, um, one of my favorite things about E3 is that Nintendo put a lot of their games on sale on the eShop. Mm-hmm. So I went and downloaded Star Fox 64. Oh, I love Star Fox. I yeah. forgot how good that game was. Star Fox 64 might be, in some ways, my ideal video game, uh-huh. because it's short enough that you can beat it in a single playthrough, but... but there is enough variety in the levels and in the way that and the levels play out. Yeah, the different yeah. paths that you take. If there's a, there's a level where a base is about to explode. If the base explodes, you don't lose the game. You just go to a different level. Right. I love that. I've played that game since I bought I bought it on Thursday. I have played it through completely five or six times. No. Hold on. I can count. Seven times. And each time I have played a different game. It has been a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've still not seen all of the levels. There's one level that I can't get to. Right. Um, oh. And, and this, this is where I will go on, on Star Fox Zero. This looks like the true successor to Star Fox 64 directly. Yes. Right? It looked great. I watched the trailer because of Star Fox 64 being amazing. And it looks like it... It looks like the same game. They actually fly through Corneria or whatever the mm-hmm. system yeah. was called from Star Fox 64 but the controls looked smoother. The aiming seemed a lot more precise. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and see, here's the cool thing about the aiming, is that, and you can actually, they have confirmed that you can actually turn the motion off if you like, and and you can play it on a pro controller instead of the gamepad. Mm-hmm. But basically, you have your cockpit view on the gamepad, so you could be flying one direction and shooting to the right. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, and, that is and cool. The impressions from E3 say that it actually works flawlessly. Right. Yeah. I will say that this this E3, as disappointing as it might be for people who are actually Nintendo fans, has been like I might get a Wii U after this. Right. Yeah, th- this Star Fox game is the Star Fox game that I have been waiting for since Star Fox 64. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I'm like, so excited. At first glance, just looking at it, like the graphics, it was kind of underwhelming almost. Yeah. Especially since we know what the Wii U is capable of doing. It almost looked like a PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2 game, almost. But... With that implementation, what you're saying when you have the cockpit view and the normal third-person view of your ship, like, that's really cool. And I think that that's enough. The gameplay, the graphics shouldn't matter as much as what people think. If the game is freaking fun to play, so it should be, you know, I mean, then it should come out. What did you guys think about the chicken transformation? Interesting. I'll yeah. see it in action. It, it's it's not something I can really formulate a, a strong opinion about yeah, right now. Things but um, yeah. yeah, the the weakest part of Star Fox sixty four was the other vehicle sections when you're not in the ship. Uh-huh. Uh Specifically, the Landmaster. See, and I I love the Landmaster in sixty four, and I'm glad that it's coming back. Uh, I hate the Landmaster. I like the tank level or the the train level rather, where you get to drive the train into the weapons depot. Right. See, I loved using the Landmaster in the multiplayer in Star Fox 64. Uh. Now, here, here's another thing that's actually very exciting about Star Fox Zero, 
at least to me, the it's actually the campaign is being co-developed by Platinum Games, who have made some of my favorite games of all time. Um, if you don't know, they've made the wonderful 101. Um, they made Bayonetta one and two. They made um, they were back in the day they were Clover. So, oh, so things Clover. like things like Okami and Beautiful Joe, and uh-huh. so Okami is wonderful. So it's, on, it's awesome. You combine you combine that with Miyamoto, and this is going to be something special, right? Fingers crossed. Then they talked about a big third-party collaboration for Skylander Superchargers. Those jerks. We we we've established our opinion of the toyetic nature of. Yeah. of video games. So, uh, and here's just the interesting thing is they have Donkey Kong and Bowser are going to be in Skylander Superchargers or on the Wii U, which is kind of interesting to begin with because, you know, they're going to have their own figures, but here's the really interesting thing is those figures will actually double as Amiibos, and so they can be used for Amiibo-specific games. Again, you'll have to explain this to me because I do not get the appeal. <laughs> Don't get it. Collectibles. Uh, well, that I understand. Yeah. And I I love the way that Amiibos look. I yeah. think that they're really cool. Even though the only one that I own is actually Yoshi. <laughs> so the next thing shown, and I'm assuming that you're going to have a lot to say about this one, Zelda Triforce Heroes. Oh, so disappointed. <laughs> I, I don't know what reaction you were expecting, but that's the that reaction I That wasn't the one I was expecting. Uh, Zelda... The Legend of Zelda needs some more... I almost have the same complaints with Zelda that I do with uh, Final Fantasy. When I was a kid, I was really drawn to the Zelda franchise. I loved the Zelda games. Um, I would play games in my backyard with my brothers. We would pretend to be characters from Zelda. We invented characters for Zelda... Mm-hmm. Um, to build the universe out from Link and Zelda. Right. Um, and so, like, in, in our stories, they had a child, and we played as Abel, the son of Link and Zelda. Um, this was a thing that we did. But I've always been drawn to these, these central stories. The thing is, the Zelda franchise either seems to rehash the same story over and over and over and over, or they create this ridiculous... You have not played Skyward Sword. I have no, but I did buy the Hyrule Historia, which oh, okay. um, so I know what Skyward Sword is about. Or they create these increasingly gimmicky gameplay components that are frustrating. Like I, I think I mentioned this because we talked about um, uh, Link Between Worlds not too long ago. I bought it because I was really jonesing for a Zelda game, but I was expecting the gameplay component to be awful, where you'd like merge into the wall and go mm. uh, increase the exploration that way. It wound up being okay. I actually did like it. But this, my initial response was, I just want a good single-player Zelda game. Yeah. I don't want to have to play with friends. I don't, when I get together with friends, we don't play video games. We talk. Sometimes we talk about video games, but we don't play video games. So right. here, here's where I fall with this. I agree with everything that you say, but I've played Four Swords, and I loved Four Swords. Because, for me, a lot of gaming is in that local being together with your pals and working together through something. 
you certainly do like the the collaborative games a lot more than I do, yeah. and I've enjoyed playing them with you. Yeah. Um. Oh, but there's another thing about this game that ticks me off: costumes. <laughs> That's right. You put Link in a Tanuki suit, and I'm done. <laughs> I am leaving. If I wanted to play dress up with my men, I would play Mario. Like seriously, that's not what I come to Zelda for. Right. Okay, but let, let's go ahead and talk about a different Zelda game that I think you're going to have a different take than the last one. Yes, I will. And that's Hyrule Warriors Legends. I understand that there's a lot of uh, like apprehension about the Hyrule Warriors franchise. Like I know a lot of people didn't like it. Me, again, this is sort of the freshness that I want to see in Zelda. I don't want to see the same set pieces over and over again, necessarily. Right. I want to see an expanded universe. I want to see more characters. It can center around Zelda and Link and Ganon. That's fine. But I like to have these other characters. And so the fact that they have made an effort to expand the universe and to create more interesting characters and to create playable female characters in the Zelda franchise... I think all of that is applaudable. Even if Hyrule Warriors, Legends, Revengeance, The Awakening, however, I don't know what to call this. It's a silly name. Anyway, even if it's a terrible game, I might buy it anyway to show Nintendo that there's support for building out the Zelda world rather than just keeping it focused solely on the things that we have been seeing over and over again since Ocarina of Time. Right. So, now, I, I will clarify, Hyrule Warriors Legends is a port of the Wii U game. But there is some added content, yes. I believe, specifically for the DS. I saw Tetra. Yes, the wind, it has Wind Waker content, which the Wii U version does not have. So that's, that's, that's okay. That's pretty cool. I played through a little bit of Hyrule Warriors not too long ago, playing as Tingle, because of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I think that it's it's an appropriate use of the Zelda franchise. And so yeah, I'll support this. Okay, so the next thing, Metroid Prime Federation. Ah! So here here's my thing. And I have the exact opposite opinion of this as I do of the other Zelda game we just <laughs> talked about. Go on. So here's the thing. Take away the Metroid Prime name. Okay? Metroid Prime, as I've mentioned twice in this podcast, my favorite game of all time. And here, take that out of take that out of the picture. Now, what they showed, little chibi soldiers that are actually inside of big suits, and it showed four people fighting. So once again, this is the co-op that you are not a fan of. Nope. But I will say this: there there have been some. There have been some things said online. There have been petitions telling Nintendo not to even release this game. That's a bit extreme. That That is very extreme, especially if you watch the Treehouse footage, where this game actually looks well-designed and fun. And the thing is, it's being developed by Next Level Games, who have made some of my absolute favorite games. Mm -hmm. um, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. Yeah, it was awesome. Love that game. Um, have you played it? The Punch-Out! On the Wii. Yeah. Love that game. Mm -hmm. Super Mario Strikers. Love that game. That's fun. So I'm going to trust that they're going to make something very fun. I'm not going to consider it to be a Metroid Prime game, but if I can find some people to co-op with, then I will buy it and I will have fun. You know, I don't doubt that this is going to be an at least passable game. It's probably going to be good. I just... We've been waiting so long for a good handheld Metroid game. I just want my Samus. We, it's been so long since... You want another fusion. I want another fusion. 
I do. I want another 2D Metroidvania style Metroid game with Samus because it's been so long since we've had a good Samus game. Metroid, Metroid Prime 3. Metroid Prime was the last time we had a good Samus Aran game. And Samus, I mean, there are arguments to be made for other characters, Lara Croft, uh, Chun-Li. I think Samus Aran is the first lady of video games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she deserves a lot more respect than she's been getting from Nintendo recently. Samus yeah. is a personal favorite character. I have nostalgic attachment to her. Um, I have a great attachment to the character because she's my favorite in Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Metroid series is just so powerful where it's got this empowered science fiction heroine. It's aliens. Right. Science fiction heroine who you play through the entire first game and have no idea that she's a woman. She's freaking Ripley. She is. Exactly. She is Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) She's Ripley. She's Furiosa. She's Furiosa. (laughs) And they are just... It is... is, It hurts me that we're not getting the Samus game that I want and have wanted for so long. So here's the thing. Um, Nintendo did say, well... New Metroid Prime, you're going to be able to expect on those, and I'm sure that Retro is hard at work on it. Yeah. And I can't wait to and I can't wait to see it. But dagnabbit, it! And I, I, I will really say, wanted that. I will say that Metroid Prime Federation Force. I read a uh, an interview with the creator on Kotaku, um, and apparently Samus is in it. Huh. Somewhere, but you don't play as Samus. Right. You play as Federation Troopers. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So the next game, Fire Emblem Fates. You know, Fire Emblem, I, I see the appeal. I really don't think it's my my sort of game. Yeah. I do own Fire Emblem Awakening. I am sure that if you like the Fire Emblem franchise, this is going to be a good use of your money. So uh-huh. here's what I will say about Fire Emblem. It makes me stressed and tense. Because I know that if five little people die, they are gone forever, and I can't handle that. Yeah, yeah. I have, I've hit the reset button so many times because I can't stand to lose my guys. Yeah. I, I, man, I can't stand it. So, now we're going to talk about a very different Fire Emblem game. <laughs> which is Shin Megami Tensei Cross Fire Emblem. Oh, my. So Japan... This is the most Japanese thing I have ever seen. And, and, and here's the interesting thing. In, in the trailer in the direct, they didn't have any translations at all. If you did not know that this game was coming and see the earlier trailer that they had, you would have no idea what this is. Because at the end, it shows the logo in Japanese. And you're like, so this is Japanese. I think I knew that from watching the trailer. Oh my gosh. So, one of the things that I love about anime... Um, and I don't think we talk about this enough. Um, anime has... The, an anime show, a, not necessarily a good anime show, but a lot of anime shows, they just have the craziest, weirdest, most enjoyable opening sequences. Mm-hmm. Like, we talk about, again, cutscenes contextualizing the action that's going to take place um, for a video game. A lot of anime is produced on a really low budget, so the animation in the individual episodes pretty shoddy. So they have these opening numbers that help to contextualize what you're about to see. Mm-hmm. And they are crazy productions. If you've seen uh, Attack on Titan, Attack on Titan mm-hmm. is one of the greatest intros of oh, all anime. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aldo recommended a show called Death Parade. I have not seen Death Parade. I have watched the introduction to Death Parade at least a dozen times <laughs> because it is so crazy. Huh. If you've seen the trailer for Shin Megami Tensei Cross Fire Emblem, you have an idea of what sort of madness lies in the opening sequence for an anime. You've got idol singers, you've got people charging around on flying horses, stabbing monsters in the face with lances. It's crazy <laughs> over the top. 
and it's wonderful. Yeah. I loved it. I will probably not buy this game, but I will go watch that trailer again. <laughs> so, and, and now here's, here's the interesting thing. Um, Shin Megami Tensei, obviously, um, if you've ever played the Persona games, they are an offshoot of the Shin Megami Tensei That's series. That's my understanding. I've never played Shin Megami Tensei. I did buy Persona 3 when it was released as a PS2 port for the PS3 because I was in the mood to play the most Japanese thing I could put my hands on. And Persona 3 did not disappoint. It may be... I put 80 hours into this game and then my save file got corrupted. Uh-huh. So I've oh, never no. finished it because... Screw you. Um, it, that said, I know enough about the game. I know how it ends. I played it enough. I had a good enough experience. Persona 3 is in my top three video games. Wow. I love it. See, and, and when you watch the gameplay... Because I, I actually went and watched some gameplay for Shimigami Tensei. I've watched gameplay for Fire Emblem. This doesn't really seem to be either. This is more Persona. It looks like a Persona game, and that's kind of a bad thing, because the combat in Persona is awful. The storytelling is fantastic. Um, again, I'm surprised this didn't come up a couple months ago. But, yeah, this game looks crazy and wild and Japanese, and, uh, man, it's yeah. such, such fun. It looks like it will be so much fun. And Japan in your face! <laughs> All the time! So, the next... The next trailer shown, this is actually one of my most anticipated games, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of this franchise. I've never played it. So, Xenoblade Chronicles, I've talked about it before. It's a giant open-world RPG, um, and this is the sequel, and it's a giant open-world RPG, now with mechs. <laughs> that sounds fun. And it's, it's gorgeous, it looks like a lot of fun, um... I was very worried about the voice acting, but they actually finally showed some English footage for the first time, and it looks good, and it's releasing this year, so, woo, December 4th, and I'm very excited about that one. So the next thing that they showed was Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a, the worst title. I do like the Animal Crossing games for a little while. Like, I like playing through them, sort of. So, when, the, when a new one comes out, I'll play it for a little while, and then I'll be like, "Yeah." See, now, here's the, one, here's the thing about this one, is it is free-to-play, if I remember right. Oh, wow. So, and it has some pretty interesting elements, basically. It's a lot of the home design elements of Animal Crossing, uh-huh. where specifically you have different animals coming to you, wanting you to design their home a certain way, and you get to go and find what you need and design it however you like, and then they rate it. Right. So, it looks like an interesting an interesting thing. It's not a full Animal Crossing game, but it's a lot more of an Animal Crossing game than the next one, which is Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival, <laughs> which looks like Mario Party without the party. <laughs> it, it's a board game without mini-games in between where Amiibo are required. Wow. For everyone who plays. That sounds horrible. So, not very impressed with that. Why don't you just get Monopoly? And the the thing that really drives me crazy about this is we have assets for Animal Crossing characters on the Wii U, and it looks beautiful! It looks amazing! And we're not getting that game! We're not getting a true Animal Crossing on the Wii U, no! We're getting a very stripped-down board game that I am not excited for. You could just get a, you could just play Monopoly and play with your amiibos instead of the the dog, because you know that's who everybody plays with is the dog. Right. <laughs> so next we have 
we have one of my personal most anticipated games, Yoshi's Woolly Yoshi's Woolly World. Yeah, it looks great. It looks like the successor for Yoshi's Island that I really wanted. Yeah, because the the last couple of attempts have not been all that great, but early impressions and all the videos of this look amazing and. Oh my gosh, it's so adorable. You know, it looks to me to be a cross between um, Little Big Planet and Kirby's Epic, Epic Yarn, Yarn mm -hmm. in a way. So, I, and I love, I love both of those games. So. I don't understand what's what's the deal with Nintendo and textiles. I don't know. That's so weird. Well, and, and the thing such is, a bizarre direction to take everything this, in. This is this is actually made by Goodfield, who were the ones who did Kirby's Epic Yarn. Goodfield, mm -hmm. like. The, the texture oh. of a nice is linen bedsheet. I'm just saying, there's probably some cross marketing going on somewhere <laughs> in the world that we're not aware of. <laughs> but you know, this is this is one example where I will get the amiibo because it is so adorable and it's actually made of yarn. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. And just it, wait till your toddler sticks it in his mouth. Because <laughs> that's going to it, happen. It, it looks amazing. I, I would say that Yoshi's Island. Is actually my favorite Mario game, if you can consider it a Mario game. I love it that much. Well, 2D Mario game. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. Alright. praise indeed. And this really looks like the successor that we've wanted. Um, and this one has some pretty cool amiibo functionality where it basically, depending on what amiibo you put on there, it changes the pattern. So you have a Yarn Yoshi that looks like Mario. Yeah, like it has Mario patterns on it, <laughs> or Donkey Kong patterns, or my favorite, I think, was a Samus pattern. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, You're but, just opening old wounds again. <laughs> so the next game. Now, this is a very interesting one, another very Japanese one that I'm not sure that I quite understand, but I know that it's a phenomenon right now in Japan, and that's Yokai Watch. Oh, yeah. I don't know anything about it other than they love it over there. They love it over there. It looks like Pokemon, but with ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> and let's be honest, the Pokemon formula was a really good formula. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you've ever played a Pokemon game, they're good games. They are yeah, wonderful they're games. They're fun. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I don't know anything about Yokai Watch. Um, so, it might be interesting to see what it's like when it comes over here. So, the next one was my biggest, happiest surprise, and that's Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. Yeah. I'm excited. I love the Mario Luigi games. I love the Mario and Luigi games. I love the Paper Mario games. I do too. And you're putting them together. Mm -hmm. And watching some of the Treehouse footage, the width that I crave from these two series is there, and it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I'm glad somebody's excited about this. Because I had the same response to this that I had to World of Final Fantasy, where it's like, you're kind of, the well's running dry, isn't it? Because you're just taking these two franchises, you don't really know what to do with them separately, so you're like, let's put them together. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's ever been any lack of ingenuity and yeah, imagination. Yeah, unlike Square Enix in the last 15 years, these actually have good writing. Yeah. <laughs> they really yeah, do. That, yeah, that keep things okay. fresh from that, game to game. That is fair. That and then is the fair. Paper Mario stick, the sticker world was a lot of fun. Sticker yeah. star. Sticker star, whatever. Yeah, I, I didn't like what they did to the combat, but right. luckily they're going back to classic. Uh-huh. And then I, I love the Mario and Luigi games. Yeah. They're, they're always a lot of fun. So this definitely seems to be more Mario and Luigi than Paper Mario. Right. 
Um, so the next thing, Mario Tennis Ultra Smash. <laughs> I love Mario Tennis. <laughs> I, have, I just have to say, when I got home from an LDS mission, my parents are like, you gotta try Mario Tennis on the Nintendo 64. It's awesome. And I was like, my parents are playing games now? <laughs> to this day, my mom can still kill me at Mario, 60, or, uh, Mario Kart 64. Because <laughs> she had two years of practice while I was gone. But um, No, anyway, I... But yeah, like... I went down and played Mario Tennis, and like I think my dad and I sat down and played Mario Tennis like for hours and hours, and we did that multiple times. <laughs> like later on, I've always really liked Mario Tennis, as long as it's implemented well. There's been a couple misfires with it, but I'm excited for a new Mario Tennis. So, so the last one from the Nintendo conference. Oh, my personal, personal favorite that I'm really looking forward to. And Nate's really looking forward to, and we've mentioned this already in this podcast, Super Mario Maker. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is what a creation game should be. Yeah. Um, it is so <laughs> amazingly approachable. You know, right. this, this reminds me of the evolution of Mario Paint. Right. To the extreme. Yeah. Um, but in Mario Paint, you just made pictures or made mm. like music. But in this, you actually get to play that. Yeah. <laughs> and there are so many things that I love about it. Um, I love the constant being constantly being able to test things on the fly. Uh-huh. I love the palette swaps. Yeah. You know that they have regular Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers Three, Super Mario Brothers World, and Super Mario Brothers Wii U. Uh huh. That you can switch between those different palettes. Yes. Yeah. So you can do you can design like an original NES looking game. And then put a you know put a different skin on it, pretty much. Again, I can't believe that it's taken Nintendo this long to put this sort of thing out. Right. I it's it's amazing to me. You know, I think in a world where Valve exists, right, <laughs> where modding is is like supported by the community or by the the corporation. Right. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I don't think Nintendo's really had a full. Um, I, I don't think Nintendo's had a full console uh, and game room to be able to do that stuff with and share it like they want to. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Um, so, here are some of the sharing aspects I think are amazing. So, first of all, there are different ways that things are rated. So, it's rated by, you know, people liking it and, and sharing it and things like that online, but it's also rated by how many people were able to beat this game. How many people were able to beat this level. Yeah. <laughs> And so I think that's absolutely awesome. But another thing that I think is essential that they are nailing is you cannot post something online unless you yourself beat it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So you cannot have unbeatable levels. And at first you can only publish ten levels, but if like people are playing your levels, it'll unlock spots for you to share more of your levels. But people have to play yours and like it. Sounds pretty solid, honestly. Yeah. It looks, it looks oh, and, really great. And just so many things about it. Like, as you're playing, you know, as you're testing things out, if you die, then you can actually set it to show a ghost of the path that you went uh-huh. so that you can like, be like, okay, well, if I perfectly time this, I can put a block right here, and then people will be able to jump across if they do it right. Right. And so, I mean, and just the different things that you can do. You can, you can, take, you can take a question mark block... And put, say, a Goomba in there, and then take that Goomba, give him a mushroom so to make him giant, give him wings, 
and then put it underwater. So now you have a giant winged Goomba <laughs> underwater. Yeah. Wow. You can... Oh, man, the possibilities with this game are endless. You can take a Lakitu and make him throw blooper squids. You can you can make those cannons that usually shoot the bullet bills and instead have them shoot coins. You can do so many things with this game, and it really has me exciting to see what the community is able to come up with. There's going to be a lot of dirty pictures. That, I'm sure that means that will be on top of. Yeah. But it's still going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so another cool thing, the Amiibo implementation for this game is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Because what it will do is it unlocks a mystery mushroom that you can use. Which, the mystery mushroom, what it will do is all of a sudden, you're Mario, you get the mystery mushroom, and you turn into Link. You still have the same movements as Mario, but you look like Link. So it's a so it's a costume, but you know something cool that you can do is you know you can push up. Well, it changes the sound effects that you make for one thing, mm -hmm. but like you can push up and it will do something specific. So like you have you push up for the Wii Fit Trainer and you do a yoga pose. You push up with Link and then you hold the Triforce up and you hear da 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 da. <laughs> you know, it's just really cool implementation, but yeah. I'm really looking forward to this, guys. Yeah, I am too. You know, and like, I think last year at E3 they showed it off in its beginning stages and stuff, and they said it was going to be at first quarter 2015. And when it got to March this year and it still hadn't come out, I was like, man! <laughs> but, you know, but I'm really happy now they have a solid September 11th date. So, lastly, just a couple of other things that were, you know, had stuff put out for them. We did get a new trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Oh, man. The, the, the games are fun enough. And so Kingdom Hearts 3 has been anticipated, hotly anticipated, for at least 10 years. Yeah, seriously. It's been teased forever. Um, I hope the gameplay's good, because the storyline at this point is completely incomprehensible. Oh, yeah. But, the, you know, I've, I've enjoyed playing Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts 2 I enjoyed even more. Um, not a lot of replay value in those games. So... I don't know. Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to have the following that it needs is, yeah. and the following that it deserves. And hopefully it doesn't disappoint anyone. Yeah. And then they we also saw stuff for Just Cause 3, which Just Cause 2 is one of the most fun games to just get out there and cause havoc, you know, to grapple yourself onto a moving car, put um, put a remote explosive on the car, activate your parachute so that you fly up, and then make the car explode while you're in the air. <laughs> I mean, it, and Just Cause 3 looks like it has all that craziness that I crave. And it's actually the same company who's putting out the Mad Max game, which also looks cool. Um, uh, another couple of things. They ha finally had gameplay for the new Fatal Frame. Oh my gosh. This is the other thing that makes me kind of want to get a Wii U. Because Fatal Frame 2... Rings is another one of my all-time favorite games. Uh, Fatal Frame 2 and Silent Hill 2, uh, the, the sequels to these uh, horror franchises. Fatal Frame is brilliant in its concept, because you were walking around a haunted whatever, and ghosts attack you. And like in the best survival horror games, your combat skills are limited, you're kind of slow. In Fatal Frame 2, your character actually walks with a limp. 
Um, and so you've got these monstrosities that are chasing after you, and they get more horrifying the closer that they get to you. But you can't run away. You have to stop and take a picture of them. <laughs> they are the most terrifying games. They're frightening. They scared the crap out of me. I love Fatal Frame 2. And so this looks like it might be one of the best uses of the Wii uh, Oh, yeah, of the Wii U gamepad. gamepad actually having... The camera in your hand could being be good. Able to see in it could be good. Um, man, I, I just it's like I'm a little bit ashamed that you know they they beat Pokemon Snap to the punch. <laughs> I will say that I'm I think the 3DS would actually be a great platform for a Fatal Frame style game. Oh, definitely. And I'm kind of disappointed that I'm not getting one. <laughs> well, especially since they are actually. Now Nintendo has exclusivity. It just seems Nintendo is such a weird company to be putting out survival horror games. <laughs> to be putting out survival horror games. To be putting out Bayonetta two. Yeah, well, yeah. That <laughs> was that was insane. To be putting out Devil's Third, which I don't know if you've seen anything for that, but imagine extreme violence and sexiness. <laughs> well, they did put out Mad World too. Well, I guess no, Mad World was third party, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, Mad World was Sega, but that was actually Platinum Games. Oh, that's true. I knew that. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so Fatal Frame, uh, Maiden of the Black Water, looks like it's going to have everything that I kind of want out of a Fatal Frame game, which is ghosts that you really, really, really want to run away from, but you can't. Right. You have to stop and look at them as they scare the crap out of you. <laughs> and another thing that I will say is the game is gorgeous. Oh yeah, it looks great. It, it's got it's fantastic gorgeous. graphics, or yeah. fantastic aesthetics, I guess. It looks good. Alright, and any last... Wait, let's go ahead and end this with your E3 game of the show. <laughs> Alright, so... We're going to start with Nate. Okay, can I do a three? <laughs> if you pick one as your all-time favorite. Okay. Um, I'm going to say the three that I've loved have been uh, Uncharted 4 for uh, PlayStation 4, Mario Ma Super Mario Maker for the Wii U, and I'm really, really excited to play Horizon... That looks amazing. What was the subtitle to it? Was Horizon um, Dark Dawn. Dark Dawn. I'm really excited to try out that game. It looks great. So um, I think if I had to pick a top winner, though, it would probably be Mario Maker. I could see myself spending hundreds of hours on that game. Okay. See you. If we're just talking about the actual game, Star Fox Zero is probably my pick, uh, just because of my love for the Star Fox franchise, and it looks like they're finally doing it justice again. But if we're just going off of the trailer, it's Shin Megami Tensei across uh, Fire Emblem. <laughs> because that was the best thing I've seen all day. <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is hard for me because I really, really liked... Um, I really liked everything that I saw from Horizon, mm -hmm. and so that's definitely my top. Cuphead is in my top. Cuphead. Oh, but so taking fun. my absolute top spot is, like Nate, Mario Maker. Yeah. Just everything that they showed for it, the videos that they had, oh my gosh, this game is going to be something special. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And that's it for this week's episode. We're not going to go over what's coming out this month because guess what? You already got that last week. <laughs> <laughs> so just go back, listen to our heist podcast, enjoy it because it was pretty fun, and yeah, you'll know what's coming out this month. Next month we're going to meet and talk about Russian literature. 
I can do that. In, <laughs> in fact, Don and I can do that in Russian. All right, so all of our uh, <laughs> Moscow listeners, be excited. Ura! Or those of you in the Ukraine. <laughs> all right, see ya.